Bro, we finally get to do this. Finally. It's about damn time. How fucking long have we been trying to make this happen? I don't know, man. Months. Months. Yeah. No, fucking COVID. Yeah. Fucking COVID is right. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. But I'm glad we're finally doing this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know, I'm speaking with Mr. Chuck Oren right now. Uh, Charles, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, never Charles. <laughs> never Charles. What about, are we at the point in the relationship where I can call you Chucky? You can call me Chucky. <laughs> No you, one else. Nobody else. <laughs> no. I've had Chucky. I've had Chuckles. I've had... Chuck, uh, oh, my God. Chuckles. I'm calling you Chuckles forever now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I keep getting emails at work from people in the corporate office calling me Chuckles. So <laughs> Good. Good. No. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's a really, really big guest for me. Um, one, he's a friend in my personal life. We've worked together on several projects, as some of you may have seen. And he's going to be in The Local, which is upcoming. Um, he's also just had a long, insane career, not only in the film industry, but he was a detective, he was in the Air Force, and you were in, like, pro wrestling at some point, right? Pro wrestling, I had a radio show, Paranormal Investigations, yeah, fucking, you know, just... What hasn't this person done is basically what I'm getting at. Now, obviously, we're the movie night, so it's going to be mostly movie-related stuff, but I, I do want him, and I want you to kind of give little background into all your different careers you know maybe some stories here and there but we're gonna make it all relative to movies don't you worry audience but uh first things first um we're gonna start it's not gonna be linear at all by the way we're gonna start places and end up in totally different ones first things first what is a because i i love the theatrical movie going experience to Mm -hmm. me there's nothing else like it um i always get scared in these uncertain times because a lot of it is this or that you know, the whole HBO Max thing with Warner Brothers has been very huge. Like, to, to some theaters benefit helping them just by giving them something to keep the doors open. Sure. But, you know, for places it's not open, you know, will movie going habits come back? It's all up in the air. So my first kind of thing I wanted to get your, you know, pick your brain on is, is there a, at any point in your life when you were younger or even recently, was there a recent movie going experience that just reminded you of just how special it can truly be? Excellent question. Um yeah, it, it's, and I don't want, you say recent, um, you know, in work, work, working in a movie theater as mm-hmm. part, of, part of my long career, yeah. my storied career past, um, working in a movie theater, um, one of the things that we had to do would be to um, preview movies, make sure that, especially in the film days, yeah. uh, make sure the films were put together correctly, make sure the, the, we didn't have any emulsion problems, make sure the sound works, make sure the reels were put in the proper order, mm-hmm. things like that. So we, you know, on a Thursday night, we would screen a lot of movies and basically sit there by yourself in the auditorium and watch them. Um, it really showed me how special the movie-going experience was with a movie um, that came out a few years ago, ago um, which was a comedy. Uh, get him to the Greek, mm-hmm. which I screened and I hated it. Absolutely despised it. Mm-hmm. Sitting there by myself. Um, however, my kids wanted to see it, so I took my kids to go see it. And sitting in an auditorium packed with people, sharing the experience with everybody laughing at the corny jokes and the stupidity of the movie and mm-hmm. things like that, made it so much better for me it, i mean it was just so much funnier it was so much more engaging um you know there's an investment with the with the collective experience of having an audience there you have to have an audience to really enjoy a theatrical movie mm-hmm. plain and simple if yeah. you're in there by yourself you might as well be sitting home watching tv yeah. you know 
that's that's all there is to it. No, no, it's it's true. Like you know, could could you imagine if you saw Endgame in an empty theater, and so when Cap catches Thor's hammer, you're just like, ah, and you look around and no one's there to celebrate with you. Absolutely. You know, so many so many recent cinema moments, man, that really get me. And uh, you know, what do you have? A, I don't know how often you went to the movies, like as a kid or even a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any sort of special memories with movies at that time? Yeah, um, growing up, I grew up in a small town in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and uh, on one side of our town we had Westerly, on the other side we had Wakefield. Both of those had their iconic movie theaters, and Westerly was the iconic, um, the United, which was downtown Westerly. In Wakefield, they had the Campus Theater, um, which pretty much catered a lot to the University of Rhode Island students and things like that. Um, and then the best part of all was we had the Westerly Drive-In. And uh, just like you see in movies like Grease, you know, that was the drive-in experience. And you would go and you'd have those big clunky speakers that you'd hang on your windows that you were afraid were going to snap the window out of your car and all that. And you'd sneak your friends in on, in the trunk back when it was, you know, they finally got smart and they did it per car. Yeah. Uh, but back in those days, you'd sneak your friends in in the trunk and let them out or not, depending on how much you liked your friends. Um <laughs> That's happened once or twice in the past. But, um, you know, they would always have, you know, two movies. One normally was really, really good. One normally sucked. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that we saw at the drive-ins. And with the with the uh, emergence of, of apps like Tubi and FilmRise, and a lot of those old movies are coming back where you can watch them Mm -hmm. and that just makes me happy because i go back and relive those days of the 60s the 70s and the 80s where i used to go and and do that i saw rocky horror picture show for the first time in a drive-in um which was different um one of my one of my fondest memories of going to the movies was when star wars came out and back then there were no tv trailers there were no tv advertisements Uh obviously there was no social media or anything like that um basically what you got and in our case we had the westerly sun you got the westerly sun and you would always scan over to the to the movies page and depending on what the studios decided they or the distributors wanted to pay out for advertisement that's what you had and i remember um star wars had a quarter page ad and it was just it's kind of weird, you know. I mean, I, I I grew up in the '60s, so I was a child of Star Trek and uh-huh. used to watch that all the time. Yeah. That that informed me on my science fiction choices and things. Uh-huh. Then Star Wars, Star Trek sounds kind of similar. Let's go try try it out. Yeah. And I remember we went and um, I had a really bad pastrami sandwich that <laughs> night. I, I, I did at it one sticks of, with you. at one of the local <laughs> delis. I had a really bad pastrami sandwich, which comes into play because the only seats that were available when we got into the auditorium were in the first row. And if you've got a little bit of nausea working because of a, a little bit of food poisoning, and um, you're sitting in the, fir- the front row of Star Wars, when you get to the Death Star scene at the end. You know, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, it's a roller coaster ride. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember seeing it, and then I just, you know, I, I just tossed my cookies in the parking lot afterwards, man, just, <laughs> just straight out. I was so dizzy, um, but I loved the movie so much. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I miss those days. I really do. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. 
All right, I'm really bad at segways, so I'm going to try you to... You just can't balance on I them? Know, or it's just, it's a whole thing, yeah. Yeah, we, just, we used to, when I was a police officer at the university, we had segways, and, you know, it... I'm telling God you what, damn man. It. You're good at this. I'm telling you what, man. Back in those days, you were so nervous on those things, your butt cheeks would just tighten up and <laughs> lift up when you're on those things trying to drive. Yeah. And all that. But it was yeah. a lot of fun. And there was some interesting video of us just trying them out in the hallways of the police station, crashing into walls and copiers and things like that. But yeah, no. Uh, sorry about, no, your, about your segue. Go ahead. No, no, no. It, 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 it works because uh, I was going to say, segueing from movies to your career with, you know, law enforcement uh your squad car that you had at one point in your career it's famous it's a famous car please famous. please explain uh what what the story is behind your famous squad car okay um well back in the late 80s um i was a police officer in bangor maine um and when i was up there they we obviously sh- Stephen King was a neighbor. He he lived practically right around the corner from me. Um, interesting enough, there the street, um, Union Street goes up. He lived on West Broadway, which was the nice area. I lived on Charles Street, which was the not so nice area. Yeah. But you know, I who's going to compete in in Maine with Stephen King bucks? But anyway, um, because Stephen King was from there, he shot a lot of his movies up there. Um, I was fortunate enough to work. Before I was a police officer, while I was waiting to go into the academy, I worked for a security company up there, and I did on-set security for um, Creepshow 2. That was the first one that I did. Um, I went out and did security on, I think it was the Langoliers, which was filmed at Bangor International Airport. Uh, but then they were going to film Pet Cemetery, and we had a notice on the bulletin board that for the role of the police officer, they wanted to use an actual local police officer, and there were auditions. Um, to be had. So I went ahead and I auditioned. I remember the casting director um, got in touch with me a couple of days later and said, we liked your audition. We'd like you to screen test now, which I, I, I don't even know if they do that anymore. But, <laughs> you know, they, back then everything was still on film and they, they yeah. screen tested on film. Uh-huh. And it was set up in the, um, in the auditorium of the police station. And I went in and I screen tested and it was, it was, it was one line. It was a simple line. Um, the line got cut out of the final movie. I didn't get the part. Um, a friend of mine, uh, another police officer in a local jurisdiction, got the part and is still credited in the credits, which annoys the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> but I did not get the part, um, which is fine. But on the night that they're filming the the um, the where he where he's digging up his son Gage mm-hmm. in the in the cemetery. Um, they were doing that at, at Mount Hope Cemetery. They're actually filming in the cemetery. And there's a scene of the patrol car coming in and shining its light around and leaving. Well, that was my beat. I had Mount Hope Cemetery in my beat during that time. And um, that patrol car was my patrol car. It was Unit 18. Um, they just took the the Bangor um, the city, the city seal mm-hmm. off the side of it, and they put whatever I think I believe they were using dairy yeah. um, for the movie, and they put that on the side of the, the car. But you know, even though I didn't get to be in the movie, my police car did. So, so part, part of you got to be. My my soul is in the movie. <laughs> yeah. My soul is in the movie. And interestingly enough, in my military days, mm-hmm. um, I was married to my first wife at the time, and I was actually reading Pet Cemetery back then. I used to love reading Stephen King books. I was reading Pet Cemetery 
she had gone away to uh, NCO leadership school and she was gone away for, for, I believe that school was about two, three weeks, maybe even a month. And I had to put the book down because it was scaring the living crap out of me. <laughs> I mean, that, that book is so creepy. Oh my God, it's so creepy. Yeah, but, Stephen King is the man. Oh yeah, and and I met him on a couple occasions. Um, nice. He used to. Um, he's very, he was very low key. Mm-hmm. He would he would walk from his house down to the bookstore downtown, mm-hmm. at the corner of uh, State Street and Main Street, and you know he he'd be going down in really ragged jeans, you know, holes in the knees and stuff like that. He he was an every he was an every man. He really was, and. Um, when you spoke with him, he, he was quiet and reserved. Um, he didn't, you know, he did a lot for that town. Um, looking back years afterwards, um, in some of the, uh, the, uh, parts of the town that were underutilized, um, due to the economic conditions of that part of the town, he built like ball fields for the kids and stuff. And, and he's, he's done a lot for them up there. So, you know, very, very cool guy. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, go ahead and talk a little bit of just briefly about, you know, your time as in, in law enforcement and, you know, just um, if you have any fun stories that you want to share about that time. And I know that, you know, it's not all, you know, fun and glamour. There's a lot of serious stuff that goes on there. But, you know, it's, you know, in this in reflecting um, and also if you want to tie it into movies, reflect how, you know, stuff you deal with in real life and how different or inaccurate it is to, you know, Hollywood police and if there was ever like a Hollywood movie that was surprisingly accurate, you can share that as well. I'm sure they would okay. be interested in knowing. Well, I um, just a quick little little bit of backstory because I'm so old, I got a lot of stuff to talk <laughs> about there. Um, but w- growing up in my in in my small town in Rhode Island, Charlestown, Rhode Island, um, my family was very big into volunteerism, and um, my dad was. He was chief engineer of the volunteer fire department. He was the president of the Charlestown Ambulance Service, which is now Charlestown Ambulance and Rescue. I think that's their current name. Um, and he, he was very, very big in the community. He ran for office a few times and things like that. Um, my dad was my hero, so I wanted to get into those things also. So I began um, first as a junior firefighter, um, which was, I believe, the ages from 12 to 18 you were a junior firefighter you could fight brush fires and you can drive you can ride on the fire truck you could participate in drills you can do those kinds of things um so i did that for a long time then um i took a first aid course um and since my dad was a mucky muck in the ambulance service and stuff um i got to ride on his crew um then when i was when i was 14 years old um one of the one of the ambulance crew members we had a grant and one of the ambulance crew members um lit, he got hit by a fire truck and the fire truck backed into him mm-hmm. and uh it broke his legs and he couldn't go to EMT school and we had a grant for EMT school wow and it was a use it or lose it type of thing and so they threw me into that so you know here I am 14 going to Rhode Island Junior College taking my first college course and it's to become an EMT mm-hmm. and uh, uh I got an A in the course um, almost got certified. Then we had to go to the state house and fight for it because at that time the law said that you had to be a minimum of 16 years old to be mm-hmm. certified. Yeah. Um, they agreed that 
you know, I passed all the tests. I passed all the licensing requirements and stuff. So I got my, my EMT certificate and license, and I became a full member of the crew from that point on. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to do that with my life. And then I just, I just decided, nah, you know, it really, now nah, I want to do something else. So I met with a recruiter. Um, we talked about my options. I, I took the um, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery mm-hmm. and scored very high in a whole bunch of different areas. Um, and I settled on becoming a police officer. So I went into the Air Force as a police officer. I had a guaranteed job, went through basic training, um, took a whole bunch of tests in basic training. They tried to put me into some higher or... or um, where there was more need, but I was pretty much set on that. So I did six years in the military as a police officer. Um, I worked in administration. Um, I worked on the road. Uh, I was a, I got on the SWAT team. The EST team is what it's called in the Air Force. I got on the EST team. Then I became an EST team leader. Then I became an EST team instructor, and I got to do that stuff. Um, I got to go to a whole bunch of different schools for instructors, uh, instructor stuff. So. It was good. I was much, much more svelte back then. I was, I was not a big guy like I am now, but I was getting into the point where, um, I was working out a lot and the air force has very, very strict height and weight Mm -hmm. restrictions. And at that time where I started out going into the air force at a hundred and I think it was 176 pounds going in, um, here I am six years later and I have very little body fat, but I'm up around 205, 210. Wow. And the Air Force said I could weigh as much as 189. Mm. And I had commanders who were, um, they would do uh, nomograms and basically measure the fat content on your bicep and on your waist and stuff. And they would always sign off and give me a waiver. And then I had one commander that didn't want to give waivers for that kind of thing. So my Air Force career was over and done with. Um, in the military, I had met my first wife. Went to uh, Bangor, Maine, where she was from. Um, got on the police department up there. Enjoyed my time there. Um, I eventually, after after a couple of years, uh, I took a position as a court officer, which um, I would appear at arraignments in the morning mm-hmm. in district court, which was right around the corner from the police station, and basically appear for the officers get them set up for trial dates and things like that and bring that back and give everybody their trial dates, um, which gave me a firm set schedule. Started early in the morning reviewing for the cases from the night before, grabbing the probable cause statements, getting ready to go down there, meet with the uh, uh, state attorney, go through the docket, see what we had to, to go through and do that kind of thing. But that left me a lot of time at night. And um, I was going through a divorce with my first wife. I needed extra cash because um, I had child support payments to pay. And I found a job with a TV station. Um, started out in master control, um, which was interesting. Uh, I got to shoot the uh, the news, uh, work master control for the news, and then plug in commercials, local commercials mm-hmm. into yeah. that, all that stuff. Um, my hours changed at the police station, and I couldn't do master control anymore. So the director, the news director at the station um, asked me if I wanted to become a shooter and become a videographer. I said, sure, I like working here. Give me something to do. And I did that for a while. 
uh, primarily doing sports with uh, the sports director, Tim Throckmorton. Uh, but I would do news stories, too, covering town council meetings and things like that and knew nothing about video cameras. I had to learn, I had to learn on the go and all that. Yeah. But it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. And it was back in the day where you had to wear a belt with batteries all the way around it and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. heavy as fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and trudging through the snow with that crap. And, and the camera was heavy. And, yeah. and you know. It's a workout. It, yeah. It was, it was it, yeah, back then especially, it was, it was, it was really bad. Um, decided to move to Florida. Um, so I left that job up there, came to Florida, um, had a couple of odd jobs while I was waiting to get on a police department and got on with, uh, Pompano Beach Police Department, um, in a civilian position and, um, did that for a while. And then somebody mentioned that Florida Atlantic University, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that was Maine. Then Florida Atlantic University um, was hiring police officers. I went over there, and it was nothing like I'd ever seen before. I don't know when they trans they they grandfathered in everybody from security guards to police officers, mm. but it was a it was the most bizarre mindset of any police department mm. I'd seen in my life. And just for a time frame, what around what year is this? This was uh, that would have been around 1990. My dad was at FAU at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <That's good. laughs> seriously, though. Uh, yeah, it was around 1990, and uh, I started there. Uh, I I I tested about a year and a half in, I think, um, for corporal, sergeant, and investigator, which was a different rank. It wasn't just the detective division. Um, investigator was an actual rank at that time. It was mm-hmm. the, the pay equivalency of being a sergeant. Um, and I tested well on all those and they decided to make me an investigator. So I went to the investigation division and it was in those days, um, when I first started there, you, you were, you were trading guns out with your people, you know, you turn your gun in and then the next person on duty would get the gun and all that. And it's like, Jeez. Yeah, it it was it was bizarre. It was bizarre. It was it's like what the hell did I do with my life? Then there was there then there was an incident where the president of the university was being threatened um right before a graduation and my lieutenant and I went and we sat on the guy who threatened him. We sat on his house to make sure the guy wasn't going to leave and disrupt the graduation and yeah. all that. And I'm sitting there talking to the lieutenant and saying, you know, LT, if he comes out or if he he decides to leave since we're not allowed to carry off campus right now, even though we're state officers, what are we going to do? We're going to use harsh language to keep him here. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you tackle him around the knees. I'll sit on his head until it's over and done with. What are we going to do? And the president of the university realized that. And then, you know, we, we reported to the president of the university. Um, I got to know him pretty well. Uh, it was uh, Anthony Catanese back then. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were friendly. I wouldn't say we were friends, but we were we were friendly. He knew me by name, mm-hmm. you know, which is saying something back in those days. Because my chief, it used to piss my chief off, and he's like, you know, "Why the hell is he calling you Chuck?" And he calls me Chief Connor all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. Chief. We know each other. Sorry, yeah. don't worry yeah. about it. Uh-huh. Um, but then, you know, eventually it grew, and and we professionalized the department. I had um one of the one of the lieutenants there she was my sergeant for a while then she became lieutenant she eventually became the chief she um she was a former police officer up in Pennsylvania 
Um, so she had the, she had the creds to, to do what she needed to do. Uh-huh. And the, the, one of the lieutenants, um, was a former Boca Raton police officer. So we were trying to get rid of the, the security idea of the job and mm-hmm. be, make it more police yeah. involved. And I had a partner, um, um, who was very gung ho. He used to work for Hialeah police department. He worked for, uh, I think Pahokee police department mm-hmm. and a couple of places. And we got to do a lot of things. And we, we actually started doing investigations and we started doing, you know, our presence was known. We were part of the gang task force. We were part of the motor vehicle th- th- task force. Um, my partner and I, um, we became part uh, part of the law enforcement against child harm task force. Um, you know, he was brilliant with computers. As a matter of fact, he went on and started working with the attorney general's office, uh, helping to prosecute child pornography cases and, and computer cases and things like that. And, um, we started professionalizing the department. Uh, I got promoted to Lieutenant. Um, I, I worked in various divisions and, you know, I was, Lieutenant in charge of patrol. I was lieutenant in charge of Homeland Security. Um, this is after 9-11 where Homeland Security became yeah, yeah. to the forefront, uh-huh. uh, especially since um, the 9-11 hijackers were using the computers at FAU yeah. to communicate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we were part of that task force. I was part of a task force where we investigated a professor who uh, was importing children from Honduras for sex. Wow. Um, I was actually detached to customs for a while working that case. Um, so we were, we were getting a name for ourselves. Um, but part of my duties as a Lieutenant was also working with the, um, um, the off duty details. Mm -hmm. I ran the off duty detail board. Uh, and because of that, I got to meet a lot of celebrities. I got to work with a lot of celebrities. Um, one, one of the celebrities I worked with was, um, there was a show one night with, uh, Paulie Shore was the headliner, yeah. and David Allen Greer was the opening, uh-huh. uh, the opener. Uh, Paulie, Paulie had gotten there early. Mm-hmm. I'm doing backstage security so I can have some mobility and keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes in, introduces himself, super nice guy. Uh, I show him to his green room, and he's like, look, um, I don't want anybody to bother me before the show. I'm just going to go. I'm going to relax, chill out for a little bit. Um, especially David Allen Greer, if he shows up, keep him the fuck away from me. <laughs> he says, we did that stupid ass movie, you know, in the army now together. And, you know, we just don't see eye to eye and I don't know why we keep getting booked together. I just keep him away from me. <laughs> cool. No That's problem. Crazy. So he goes into the room about 45 minutes later, David Allen Greer shows up, he comes in and he's, uh, very, very nice guy. Super, super nice guy. He comes in, um, cause he, he used to do that. Was a blind melon chitlin character, so yeah. he came in with his guitar and all that. And he comes in. I show him to his green room. Uh, I'm saying, yeah, anything you need, just let me know. I'll get in touch with somebody. We'll get it taken care of for you. He says, yeah, no problem. He says, well, um, is Paulie here yet? I said, yeah, he's here. He um, he said he didn't want to be disturbed, but yeah, he's here. It's like really, okay. Um, which room is his? I said, well, it's the one down there. But you know, don't you know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be disturbed. So he just marches past me and he goes oh, down no. there and he starts he starts pounding on on Paulie's door and I'm going oh shit <laughs> you know yeah. Paulie opens the door 
they start yelling at each other, calling each other names, doing this. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, who's not going on tonight? <laughs> First one that throws a punch is not going on tonight. Yeah. And I, it just it just freaked me out. And they they got to a point where I think they could tell that I was in distress trying to figure out what I'm, how I'm going to handle this. Yeah. And then they just looked at me and they just started laughing through their arms around each other and 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 just said, "Yeah, we got you." No and fucking like, way, oh, you, you, you little fuckers! <laughs> so oh my that god, that was good. Dude, that was good. That, that, and then you, and you know like, they they planned that shit like the whole yeah, trip. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you know, and I, I'm telling you what, I've seen your movies. I didn't think your acting was that good. Okay, <laughs> and they're laughing and they're and yeah. and it was really really cool. So David goes on stage first, and he goes up on stage. And he says, hey, just want you guys to know, you guys got one of the coolest police officers here I've ever met before in my life. You know, oh, wow, come on nice. out here and take a bow. And he's like, you know, Chuck, come on out here. And yeah. I came out and I took a bow and it was like, cool. So, so that, was, that was really, really nice of him to do that. Mm-hmm. So Paulie comes out and he's getting ready to perform. And then he comes out and he says, hey, I want to use you for a spot, you know, for, for a spot, for a sketch real quick, just a small sketch. Yeah. I said, okay, cool. You know, what do you want to do? He says, I, I don't want you to do anything you're not uncomfortable with. But, you know, you ever seen boxers when they go to the ring? They got the hood up and they got their arms on the shoulders and they're doing that shuffle walk on mm-hmm. up there and all that. He says, I want to do that with you. I want you to lead me up onto the stage. I'm going to have my little hoodie up over my head. I've got pictures of this at home. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got, the, he's got the hoodie over his head. And we shuffle up onto the stage. And he says, we're going to do a little bit before we went on. He says, we're going to do a little bit of improv. Just follow along with me. He says, here. And he hands me a lighter. And it's like, <laughs> okay, no problem. So we go up on stage and we're up there. And he's, he, he, he places me, puts me next to him. Um, I think I was to his, to his, uh, to his right. If I, if I remember correctly. And he acts like he takes some stuff out of his pocket and he starts rolling a joint. And he just, you know, he does the whole thing, licks yeah. it, seals it, and all that stuff. And you know, he and and he's like, he turns to me, he says, "Hit me!" And I just hit the lighter, and go, <laughs> and he just does one of these things. Yeah. And he's standing there, and here I am in full uniform, police officer standing here with him, <laughs> with him smoking an imaginary joint. Yeah. And he turns to me and he goes, <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> The and, I, I did, and the place erupted in laughter and, yeah. and it was so much fun. Um, and after that, you know, he, he just said, you know, everybody Chuck Oren, thank you. And, and, and I walked off stage to this day. There are people in that audience who swear to God that he lit up a real joint up there <laughs> and that I was smoking dope with him. The president of the university, Anthony Cantonese, um, mm-hmm. Tony was in the first row and he's like looking at me and, and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> And and he, he, I saw him about a week later at some function, and he's like, "Why would you act like you were smoking a joint with Paulie Shore?" I said, "A, it was funny." He says, "Yeah, but don't you think it was inappropriate?" I said, "Mr. President, let me just explain something to you. Two weeks ago at homecoming, you were on stage in a coconut bra and a grass skirt, and I don't think that's appropriate for the president of the university." And he says. You're right. You got me. Point you know, made. So, so point made. But anyway, just being in front of that audience and, you know, the audience just mm-hmm. roaring and stuff. I'd only had one experience performing live before like that. And that was uh, that was during the Bicentennial 1976, the 200th yeah. anniversary of the country. Um, the Historical Society did a little play. And um, I was 15 years old at the time. 
and I played a farmer and my best friend was a farmer. We were arguing over a cow in court in, 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 in the, uh, in uh, one of the old churches nice. and which was fun. Um, and it was, and I enjoyed it back then. I said, this is something I might want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had the failed, I don't want to say failed, but they chose, they went in a different direction, mm-hmm. um, for the screen test for pet cemetery and all that. And then now I'm up on stage again and it just sparked something in me. It's like, I want to start performing again. I yeah. really, really do. And I started working with the program board, and I got to meet so many cool people um, over the years working there. Um, Kathy Griffin, um, Eddie Griffin, a couple of the Wayans brothers, um, Dr. Phil, you know, um, Jerry Stiller and his wife, Ann Mira. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Jackie Mason. Um, Jackie Mason, I I worked with him twice. I did security for him twice. Mm Bobcat Goldthwait, Howie Mandel, and, and um, Collective Soul, and, and Outcast, and uh, you know a bunch of different, uh, you know a bunch of different bands over the year, the years, Ludacris. Um, mm-hmm. So I got to meet all these people, and it's like you know this is kind of life that you know I want to emulate, I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a uh, political function uh, that I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were supporting John Kerry, okay. and. Michael Michael Moore was running the mm-hmm. the rally. Yeah. Roseanne Barr was there, okay. and uh, the Goo Goo Dolls performed. Okay, and my son came with me, and he was helping set up barricades and stuff and uh-huh. running the gate. Um, one of my favorite memories is my son saying to Roseanne Barr, "You know, I want an autograph, please. Can I have an autograph?" And she's like, "Sure, honey, I'll give you an autograph." And she says, "What do you want signed?" And he's like, "I don't know." <laughs> And he picked up his shirt. <laughs> and and um, I think he was like 16, 17 at the time. And she, and she just busted out laughing. She said, honey, you just made my day. And she, she signed his chest, so which, nice. which was great. Yeah. Um, she was a very, very, very nice lady. Um, and, you know, it, it was just experiences like that. Mm-hmm. Over time, I, you know, I could tell you Kathy Griffin stuff story off the air, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, it, you know, I had a crush on her back in the day. Uh-huh. I, I had a re, you know, yeah. real, 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 real big crush on her back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, but she was very, very sweet, very, very nice. Um, so I got to do all that stuff. Then, then I left FAU. Um, I, I was promoted to captain. Um, the chief and I did not see to eye, eye, eye to eye on a couple of things, and I decided to um, take my service elsewhere. Went, went to the sheriff's office and worked mm-hmm. at the sheriff's office as a uh, civilian investigator for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, the economy dropped out of South Florida. Um, houses were being foreclosed left and right. There was no money to be had. Um, budgets were being cut. And the sheriff decided that he could replace his civilians with cops, you know, because he can't get rid of cops that easily. Civilians, yeah. you're at the will of the sheriff. Yeah, I got my walking papers mm-hmm. and uh, I was working at a movie theater part-time and um that's where i went and then i met this young lady a few years later she was very very big into social media and she introduced me to twitter okay um back then and i want you know sure i'll do twitter um no problem um and one of the things that i had found was um actors info booth which was a website primarily for South Florida, but it yeah. had it had auditions, it mm-hmm. had things like that. 
and they were they were looking for extras for a movie that was shooting down there. The uh, I forget what the working title of the movie was, but it, it turned out to be Goldberg P.I., okay. which starred Jackie Mason mm-hmm. and also had um, Davy Jones from The Monkees was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Mario Cantone was in the movie. Lynn Shea from the, yeah, um, the Insidious, Insidious yeah. movies. Uh-huh. She was in the movie. And um, I got booked for like three days where, nice. I, where I played a plastic surgeon um, at a plastic surgeon, plastic surgery convention. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie Mason is a private investigator. He's trying to investigate this, this, this crime that's going on there. And I actually had some really good scenes with Lynn um, uh, and Mario Cantone mm-hmm. and Jackie um, where I didn't really interact with them, but I was, I was, it was a small bar. Yeah. I'm on one side of the bar. Uh-huh. Jackie's here. Lynn's here. Mario Cantone's the um, bartender. Yeah. Um, Mario Cantone, hilarious guy, but so serious in between takes. Really? Lynn was adorable. She was so sweet and so nice. Now, I never knew that you met her. Yeah. She yeah. Was great. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it. At that time, um, I had a, um, I had an AM radio show. Mm-hmm. On uh, on a on a show on a uh, station in West Palm Beach, it was called Supernatural Crossroads. Excuse me, Supernatural Crossroads, mm-hmm. and um, we talked about paranormal stuff because I was that's par- hilarious. I was a paranormal <laughs> investigator. Yeah, and I was talking with her about that, and I and she said that one of the projects she was working on was a you know ghost story kind of thing, and I said <laughs> I would love to have you on my show sometime did you, you know? fucking interview her for your show i did not i did not dude you blew it <laughs> i did not she she gave me the number for her agent uh-huh. you know and and we hit it off pretty well and she yeah. told me the you know she she didn't tell me too much about the storyline she yeah. just said that she's working on it. it's about ready to wrap and all that um and you know who knew it was going to blow up and become yeah. you know a series of movies yeah but she was so sweet and so nice. And Jackie Mason was very, very cool. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he did not remember me at all from the times I did security for him. <laughs> yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. But, but super nice guy. Uh-huh. Um, while I was there, I did a lot of networking with, with a, we had a whole big room full of extras, like a banquet room full of extras for uh-huh. the thing because it was a convention. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, that's when I found out that as long as you're not in the same demographic, the people there will help you as much as you can if you're in the same demographic you're competing with them and they do not <laughs> yeah, want anything yeah. to do they're with gonna you. be like no no thank you you're on your own pal so it was um so i met some people and they got me in touch with some agencies and stuff and i and through those contacts i got i got booked for um burn notice three times as yes. as, as a background player um you know you know, I keep getting t- told to call it background player. It's not an extra. You're a background <laughs> artist or a background player. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so I got to work. I, I got to work burn notice a few times. Um, um, got to meet, you know, our buddy there, <laughs> you know, uh, um, he was actually very, very cool. Um, he would have, he would have lunch with the extras, which was really, really neat. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce, Bruce Campbell is who we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, and he was very cool, very, very polite, very, very engaging, super, super nice guy. And then I did, um, I did an episode of Bones, which, you know, I don't know if I ever told you that story of working on Bones. I don't know. I don't think you have. Um, I got booked as, as an extra on Bones and we did a, um, they they were filming in South Florida. They were filming, um, a, uh, pilot for a new show called The Finder. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so I got booked for this, and it was it was shot at a small club that they shoot a lot of music videos, and it's called Churchill's down in Miami. Yeah. And um, I'm there, and uh, God, I forget I forget her name, and I, and I don't want to, you know, there was an actress. Um, let's just say that there was an actress, very tall actress, who was in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd done a few movies, um, and she was walking by. And Churchill's is an old bar, and yeah. some of the floorboards have little, you know, like knot holes that are missing uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah. And she got her heel caught in that as she was walking by me, and she ended up in my lap. <laughs> and it's like, whoa! And yeah. she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, hey made my day we're, we're good thank you so much you know and it's like it's a pleasure to meet you and and she introduced herself and uh she went on and and she did her things that's the only interaction i had with her but um i was at the end of the bar during one of the scenes that they were shooting down there uh i head home did my stuff headed headed home i'm halfway home my, my agency calls me up and they said hey look they like you. They want you back tomorrow. Are you available? I said, yeah, I'm available. What, what, what's going on? Where, where do I go? Yeah. So I'm going to email you the details, but you're going to have a good day. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be on a boat in the water. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Bitching. I'm yeah. figuring, you know, it, yeah. you know, fancy yacht, you know, fancy speedboat, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah. Um, little did I know that the agency, when they said you're going to be on a boat in the water, um, was two sentences. Okay. I was a boat and i was in the water <laughs> uh and and we were we were shooting in we were shooting in the everglades we were at a fishing camp uh in way and in, in, in bumfuck nowhere mm-hmm. um we were shooting at a fishing camp and um i was a stand-in for the gentleman who played the the sheriff okay in that episode uh-huh. uh, so uh i was working with somebody who i'd worked with a bunch of a bunch of times on different projects her name's florence um, she was a stand-in for um, Emily Deschanel. Okay. So I get there. I, I got there about 8 o'clock. I've got a PA coming up yelling at me. Where have you been? Where have you been? You know, call time was 7 a.m. I said, no, my paperwork says 8 a.m. He's like, they changed it last night. I said, I never got the message. I'm sorry. Yeah. And he's throwing waiters at me. Okay. <laughs> and and for those who don't know, waiters are big rubber pants that are mm-hmm. boots attached and, and they go up over your shoulders yeah. and all that. And these are, you know, I'm, I'm not a small person. Okay. And, and, and I understand that I'm dealing with my body issues. Thank you. I'm working on it. But, um, these had to have been at least one size too small, probably more like four. Um, and I'm trying to get these on over my jeans while, while I'm running, you Mm -hmm. know, cause they need me on set. I get there. I just get them on. They give me a, a shirt, the same color as the, the, the sheriff's shirt that the buttons, you know, have that little hole in the middle. You know, it, it looks like a DNA strand going down because yeah. you got all this going on with my hair poking out of it and all that. Um, cause they got to get the lighting right and yeah. all that, obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I get there and, and they look at me and they say, okay, all right, see where Florence is down there. You need to go down there with her. And she's like 20 feet into the water in the Everglades. <laughs> and I'm like, in in the water (laughs) yeah yeah in the water it's like okay so i step into the water and what they had done so you don't sink into the muck and all that is they had laid chain link fence down okay on 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 the bottom of the uh of the of the everglades there and rubber boots on chain link fence is like the ice cage i mean it's Uh it's like and i'm i'm like 
I'm stepping on stumps and rocks yeah. and, and you know, my feet are going down and up and I'm trying to keep my balance <laughs> and I get down there and, uh, okay, you know, we got it. We get out and the, the sheriff and, and, and the star get into the water. They set it up for another shot. Plus we're, 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 in the water with a very realistic floating corpse, by the way, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> so we are, we're in the water and we're getting in and out. They're taking different angles, different shots and all that stuff. We're going in and out. Um, we, we went ahead and, um, last shot, go down, get in the water. They call us out. I come walking out of the water and all of a sudden I'm trying to figure out why my feet are in front of my face because, you know, all of a sudden my feet are out of the water and I'm going down. And I don't know if they thought I got attacked by a gator or what, but I had two PAs <laughs> jump in the water to try and make sure I was okay and all that. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe safety officers, I don't know what they were, yeah. but they, they, they were very quick to respond. I simply slipped. That's all there yeah. was. I slipped. Yeah. And um, I get to the bank and, and there was a little bit of an incline going in there. And mm-hmm. David Boreanis was there on the bank and he's got his arm sticking out and he grabs and grabs my hand and he hauls wow. me up and he's like, he's like, bro, I just want to let you know, you know, you okay. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, it's hot as hell out here. It's miserable. I hate it. You know, I'm sticky. It sucks. That was the first laugh I had all day. <laughs> I just want to say thank you very much for that. And it's like, dude, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Emily Deschanel and, and Boreanis um, are getting ready to cut under a canopy, mm-hmm. portable canopy. They're getting ready to cut a um, or to shoot a a um, an interview with Entertainment Tonight, mm-hmm. and it's off to the side. And they tell me I'm done, so I, I go and I'm back behind the cameras, and and I'm just sitting there. And interesting thing about rubber waders is when water gets in them, it creates suction, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like I'm trying to peel this shit off me, and I I keep looking over, and David's just sitting there staring at me, and he's just <laughs> chuckling the entire time, and he's just he's just watching me while they're trying to be interviewed, and yeah. I'm, he's just fascinated with me struggling with these rubber <laughs> pants to take them off and all that, and um, that was a lot of fun. That was a, that was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Um, no, you gotta you gotta tell him the burn notice story about which one? the. Uh, when you're when the episode when there's a bomb at the house oh oh that was actually the first episode that i that i did um so i was cast as an extra um officially you know a a background artist thank you okay i was i was cast as a background artist (laughs) um my role was was written on on the on the call sheet as fiona's neighbor so this is an episode where Michael has to go in and talk this talk this mad bomber out of um, blowing up um, Fiona's house, basically. Mm-hmm. So we're there all day, and and it was so long before they needed us, and it was hot. I mean, it, the production crew actually rented an ice cream truck at one point in time to come out and give ice cream to everybody because it was just so hot and miserable and all that. So finally, the scene comes up where we're supposed to, uh, where we're on the lawn across the street in front of Fiona's house. And there's going to be this big explosion, um, which I had never seen done before. It was very interesting. They had built a facade to the house out in front because there was a real house there. 
and they had built this facade and they had all the explosives behind the facade so when it blows up it's just the facade that's blowing up everything behind it is fine <clears throat> and i remember um i'm standing there and one of the guys i worked with on goldberg pi we became friends um there's there's a part where um the cops have to come rushing in in front of the house and the it was a female director i can't recall what her name was off the hand off hand but she's like there's something wrong with this what is wrong with this and the guy who i knew he said hey look that guy over there you know he's a retired cop if you want to go talk to him and they sent a p over to me and talked to me and said it's so so cool the story sorry go ahead so it's like so you know what's going on what's wrong here i said i don't have the script i don't know what they're responding to Mm -hmm. you know so they give me the little bit of the background Mm -hmm. i said so wait so there's a bomber inside this house and it's like yeah and well number one the cops are not if the cops know this they are not rushing in and parking in front of the house that's number one <laughs> yeah i said you know that's that's number two this guy over here um in the police uniform is getting out of his car and he's he's got his gun out and his thumb is over the back of the the mm-hmm. weapon it's semi-automatic yeah. weapon not a good place for your thumb if you're going to fire that weapon just you know you know you can take out an eye that way yeah not, not to mention lose your thumb um and I, you know, and and this guy over here, he's he's standing behind a door. You know, doors don't offer much protection. You know. <laughs> From a bomb. If you got you got to be, you know, if you, if you want protection, you got to be behind the engine block of the car, wherever yeah. that is, and mm-hmm. stuff. And and we're going through it and all that. And um, I said, and they said, well, you know, some of it's just TV show stuff. It's we have TV to, show yeah, stuff. Uh-huh. You know, it's we're shooting a TV. It's entertainment. We yeah. have to do this. Yeah, yeah. So we went ahead and they went ahead and did that. Um, but later on they tell me, you know, you know, just for that, you should have gotten, you know, you should have put in for a credit for tech advisor or something. It's yeah. like to tell him that the idiot's got his thumb over the back of the gun <laughs> and that you don't drive up to the front of the house when there's a bomb about to go off. You know, I said, I don't, I don't think I deserve it for that. But yeah. he says, you know, I pulled up to the house and, you know, and I'm putting in for a precision, a precision driver credit. It's like. All right, you do you, baby. I mean, yeah. you, know, I, you know, I realize that many resumes are embellished, but you know, yeah, you know, someday, someday you won't have to back that up. And if you put preci- precision driver on your resume, you might have to back that up. Someday. Yeah. So anyway, the big scene comes up where they're going to blow up the house. Obviously, for safety purposes, they do not want us in front of the house when yeah. they're going to blow it up. Uh-huh. So the director gets up on. I don't remember what I think she was standing on the back of a pickup truck if I'm not mistaken uh-huh. and she's up there and she's telling all the extras and we've we've got um Fiona and and Bruce Campbell and um Colby I forget what Colby Bell I think it is mm-hmm. um they're standing there and they're like um you know they're about as far away from me as you are mm-hmm. and they're standing in front of us they paired me up with this woman um, who's supposed to be my wife kind of thing. Yeah. And and she says, okay, I'm going to count down, you know, three, two, one, boom. And you all react like there's been an explosion. It's like, okay. So we do that about six times and we're doing it different ways. You know, I'm shielding my wife. I'm, yeah. honey, you okay? I'm going down and yeah. landing on my ass. I'm uh-huh. landing on my knees. I'm, do- I'm doing all kinds of different things and stuff like that. I'm really trying to oversell it and be noticed. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. So, um you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, so we do all that. And then they say, okay, we're getting ready to blow the house now. And they 
send us around the corner and it was like it was the dumbest thing because we were literally like lined up peeking around the corner of this house you know stacked up like like a like a totem pole for Brian Allen <laughs> just watching them and it, it was like pop 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 yeah and it's like that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's it I mean you know a couple of flame pots go off and stuff and it's mm. like not impressed <laughs> okay yeah. just not impressed yeah but uh but yeah you know it, it was a long day and then I got to do two more episodes I got to do one where uh I was just a driver in a car uh mm. which was a very very short day um you know and, and the scene is where Michael um gets out of his car which is like the car in front of me yeah he goes walking by my car with a gun down by mm. his side yeah going to the car where he's going to climb in with somebody else it was okay. a, in in the episode it was a staged um traffic jam and okay. he gets out and he goes over gotcha. and he gets to the bad guy or whatever um so a very quick day um but you know again they don't tell you anything when you're a background extra so mm -hmm. all of a sudden you know i'm sitting there and i'm just reading something in my car or i'm, I'm yeah. trying to look bored or whatever and all of a sudden i look out of the corner of my eye and i see a gun i'm like <laughs> <laughs> oh shit yeah. oh shit oh shit yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like gun <laughs> but uh runs out tackles michael to the ground but uh all these security you know. people rip you off and then the third one um i i forget the kid's name the kid he was a kid um is it michael o'keefe who was in caddyshack Maybe I don't. I don't really remember. Um, he played. He played Danny in Caddy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, his name. Anyway, he know. did. He did an episode of Burn Notice where he was a loan shark, and I was part of the muscle for his loan shark group and all that. And yeah, that that was fun. We shot that one at Dania Highlight, mm -hmm. and then I did an episode of the Glades. Um, I did a reality show, um, <laughs> which was that was epic. That was so much fun. <laughs> it was a. Um, it was a very, very short season. I think they only did like five episodes of it, uh -huh. but it was, um, uh, something like big Brian, the estate seller or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a call from, um, Dahlia DaCosta, who used to be a, uh, a VJ with MTV. Okay. She became a casting agent. Um, I found this one on Craigslist. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I sent an email, say, Hey, I'm interested in this. You got a reality show coming up. What you got? So she calls me up and she, she's talking to me and she says, here's the situation. Uh, big Brian, the star of the show, he is, uh, that's what it was. Big Brian, the fortune seller was the name of the show. Okay. And you can check it out on YouTube. I think that's the only place on earth that still exists. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Big Brian, the fortune seller. And in this episode, what we the whole premise of the show is he he sells estates. Mm -hmm. He goes around the country and he does estate auctions. And we were shooting and in South Florida, in Weston, in one of the really, really ritzy neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, I think the house was valued at $1.75 million or something like that. Holy and crap. they're selling the estate. And they've got, you know... They've got all these items. Mm -hmm. And they always try and find an unusual item to talk about on the show and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality part of this reality show is that they do have, they don't tell Brian what's going to happen, but they do have incidents 
that happen at the estate auction uh-huh. that he reacts to naturally because he doesn't know if it's real or if it's staged or whatever. Yeah. So it, the incident I got hired for, I'm, I'm talking with, Tal- with Talia, and she's like, uh, so here's what we want you to do. We want you to get into a fist fight at the estate auction with an, with another customer. I was like, okay. And she says, you think you can do that? I said, yeah, you've seen my resume. I've got uh-huh. a few years of professional wrestling experience under my back, mm-hmm. un, un, under, under my belt, pretty much under my back, too, because, <laughs> you know, almost every Being match I ended up yeah. in, I was on my back. Um, you know, my claim to fame in wrestling is I could take a beating really well. Um, and, you know, primarily as a referee, too. Yeah. I, you know, I yeah. had a few gimmick matches here and there over hey, the years. S- selling is important. Taking selling, is important. Selling is important, man. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that, you know, mm-hmm. and I say, you know, if, if you want, you know, we can even go as far as the wrestling route. If you want a folding chair there, I, you know, I have no problems with them whacking me with the folding chair and stuff <laughs> like that. And, and she says, really? I said, okay, good. That's good to know. And she's like, you know, I just have one question. You're, you're really, really, you sound very sweet. You sound very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you're very soft spoken. I really need you to. Know, we're looking for somebody who's going to be very aggressive, be mean, and that kind of thing. And I'm like, look, Thalia, this Thalia, right? Okay, listen. You called me. I didn't fucking call you. Okay? <laughs> if you don't like what I have to offer, go elsewhere. It's fine. No skin off my back. You've just taken 15 minutes out of my life. I'm never going to get back again. Just go ahead and do what you got to do. Okay? And she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't say that we weren't interested. I said, no, that's me just being a little bit meaner okay being a little <laughs> bit more aggressive yeah she's like oh i thought you were really mad at me i said there you go that's the point <laughs> <laughs> there there you go uh-huh. acting yeah. and so um so i got the part she says you got the part no problem and i had to go out there I had to be there at five o'clock in the morning because they put us in a garage off to the side mm-hmm. like a shed yeah and um you know they've got juice boxes and stuff you know some snacks odd snacks and it's God. It was one of the creepiest damn mornings. It was. It was one of those low hanging fogs. This is right on the edge of the Everglades. Yeah. So the fog was so thick you couldn't see fifteen feet in front of your car. Damn. I'm driving, and and this area is big on horseback riding and stuff. And mm-hmm. damn, motherfuckers out there driving riding horses <laughs> in in the fog in the dark. They had no headlights on. Nothing. You know. And mm-hmm. you know, I you're driving out there. I get to the place. I get there introduce myself to everybody and i'm sitting there and like so where's the guy that i gotta fight because i want to go over some things with him ahead of time Uh and she says he's not here yet so about 15 minutes later the guy pulls up and he gets out of the car and i go and say hey you and i are going to be fighting and he says hang on and he goes over to um one of the assistants who's mm-hmm. actually in the show, so I don't yeah. want to call her a PA, uh-huh. but goes over to her and says, I ain't fighting him. <laughs> and it's like, dude, it's okay. Yeah. You can win. Yeah. It's fine. Uh-huh. It's like, I know, I'm not fighting you. And he said, You'll fucking kill me. <laughs> and it's like, no, dude. We're not. No. <laughs> so that went back and forth. Yeah. They're freaking out. And it's like, look. I can go home and go back to bed. It's still freaking early and yeah. stuff. And said, no, let, let's figure something out. So they call, they called back up to Thalia. Um, and I guess Thalia was friends with a young lady 
and she grew up down here in South Florida, I guess. Uh-huh. And she was friends with somebody. And they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Instead of you fighting a guy, we've got a girl coming in. I was like, eh. Yeah. I said, no, no, we don't want you to fight her. We want you to have a domestic in the middle of the thing. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. We can do this. That's, so, that's okay. Yeah. So, can you imagine if you got there and it's like, hey, you should deck this woman on this show? Oh, man. Jesus it, it, Christ, it, they would have gotten probably better ratings. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was wild. Well, you know, just to give you an idea what this show was, you know, they mm-hmm. I, I forget what they call it, but they one of the things they were selling in this estate auction was a thing that a horse mounts so the horse can do yeah. his business on it and they <laughs> collect the semen yeah. and, you know, and use it to impregnate mares and all that. Uh-huh. So they were selling that and, you know, Big Brian has no idea what it is and he's like sticking yeah. his arm and then sticking his head. <laughs> oh my it's, God. Like, it's like, it's like, ew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so she gets there and she's an adorable young thing. Probably about 20 years, my, you know, my yeah. younger than me. Uh-huh. She's all tatted up. Up, up and down her arms and stuff. She's, but she's so sweet and all that. Mm-hmm. And we get our directions that they want us to go through the estate auction. They're going to have cameras following us around and all that. We want, you know, and just start it out calm, you know, going through. And then just pick it up a little bit in this room, pick it up a little bit more in this room until, you, you know, downstairs you start like yelling at each other and all that mm-hmm. so it's like cool you know it sounds like fun we didn't rehearse anything <laughs> we, we we just started up in the and and it's all improv and we're going through through the entire thing and i don't know what ex-boyfriend she channeled <laughs> but holy mother pus bucket oh jesus christ man you know we start it's... out and she's like you know you know I, and, and i'm just doing things like you know yeah you know, honey, you know, she said, you don't even want me. You don't love me. I said, of course I love you. I'm here, aren't I? I mean, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I wouldn't be out doing this stupid fucking thing if, yeah. if I didn't love you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, you'd rather be home watching the game, scratching your balls on the couch with, <laughs> with your friends and all that stuff. And I said, no more, and I don't scratch my balls. You know, and yeah, we're going yeah. back and forth. And yeah. we're, ha- we're having fun with it. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, we finally make our way downstairs. And um, this guy... He he works security for them. Um, he comes up and he's saying, "You know, you you guys need to tone it down a little bit." <laughs> and you're like, and and she, and she's and she's like, and she like backhands me like in the chest. See, see, you know, see what you're doing here. And I'm like, what I'm doing? And and you know, it just got out of hand where she actually goes after another customer who is an actor. Yeah. But she goes after another customer at one point in time, and, and you know, it's like we get thrown out of the place. She's <laughs> screaming at me all the way out down the edge of the driveway. They're talking about how crazy we are and yeah. stuff, especially her because she was just she she was amazing, she, amazing performance. And we get down to the to the end of the driveway. People are driving by. And stopping and, you know, you know, you guys need to leave. This is a nice neighborhood. I'm calling the cops and all this stuff. And she's like, fucking call the cops. <laughs> and I, was like, I don't think they're shooting us anymore. <laughs> and it was over and done with. And that we, we so remain friends. You know, she super, super nice lady. Super that is amazing. Nice. Yeah. Holy crap. But, you know, that was probably one of the most fun shoots I, I was on. Yeah. You know, it, 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 was, it was a lot of fun doing that. And then uh, later on, you know, did um, did a couple episodes of Ballers, 
Oh, I forgot you did Ballers. That's right. Yeah, I That's did right. Ballers. Um, I'm very unrecognizable in it <laughs> and stuff. Um, uh, I have I have one scene with DJ. <laughs> I call it a scene with DJ where they're focused in on him, and I'm like through the window behind him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I've got a clipboard, and he's got his his truck on a, on a, yeah. on a flatbed, uh-huh. and I'm like going over it for stuff, and I'm mm-hmm. jotting things down, and. Uh, one of the, it was either a cameraman or, or a PA comes up and say, you know, we see you writing stuff down as we're going around. Just out of curiosity, I always ask to see what what people are writing down on, and you know, and it's like, really? It's like, yeah, yeah. Can I see it? And it's like, I'm like just John things down. Like my safe word is armadillo. <laughs> 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 and I put all these just random thoughts out there, just yeah. throwing it on. And he's laughing. We're having a good time, and you know, it was a lot of fun. But um, that's amazing. Yeah, um, I haven't. Besides stuff I've done with you, I haven't done a lot lately. Um, I did, I shot a. I, I was in a pilot for an ABC show that didn't get picked up mm-hmm. um, with uh, Sonia Braga. Yeah, I remember yeah. when you took off to go shoot that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a lot of fun. I did a Nickelodeon show. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I am Frankie, uh, where I got the poor robot killed by leaving the gate open. <laughs> Damn it! Damn I, I it! Fe- Chuck. I felt bad. I felt bad. I really felt bad. <laughs> but. Uh, um, mm-hmm. They had asked me back to reprise my role because that's so great. You know, well, they just don't want a lot of different. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, your your friggin' janitor at at mm-hmm. Warpa is what it was called. Yeah, you're you're a janitor there. We got another scene with a janitor, and we don't want another janitor. We want you. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I janitored the fuck out yeah, of that shit. Yeah, <laughs> the shit <laughs> out of these school hallways. Um, but that was fun. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I did some green screen work um, on a local independent film that was done. It was called, uh, originally it was called uh, Planeta Desconocido, um, which was which was fun because the, the movie was shot entirely in English. <laughs> but he wanted to do a, a Spanish dubbed version of it and uh-huh. call it Strange Planet. <laughs> that is so funny. It's yeah, it was epic. Um, oh, any, anyway, um, they finally changed it to Journey to Planet X, uh-huh. and that was fun because I got to do some green screen work. It's my only it's my only stunt credit that yeah. I have on IMDb. Um, but uh, we did some green screen work, and there was this young lady there. She was she was like a spider monkey. I mean, she was just very lithe and very very athletic mm-hmm. and stuff. And basically, the scene is I'm on a space station. Um, the scene in the movie is is I'm on a monitor in the back while I'm being attacked on a couple of sides uh-huh. by these 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 rebel miners and yeah. I'm fighting them off and all that stuff. And in the front of uh, in the front in front of the uh, screen behind him, there's a guy talking to command basically saying uh-huh. everything's fine here, everything's under control while I'm in the back fighting these guys. Yeah, yeah. So we went to the we went to the screening of that. And we're sitting there, no idea. It was at the museum, the Miami Museum of Science, I yeah. think. And we're sitting there, and we had they did a documentary of the making of the movie, and the documentary was actually popular on Netflix for a while. Oh wow! Um, and so you know that that was my first Netflix credit. I was actually on there because <laughs> um, I got introduced during the before the screening or after uh-huh. the screening. They introduced the cast members and all that. Uh-huh. Um, it you know it was my first named 
role that I had. It was Dean Johnson was my my name in the movie, which I didn't even know until after the movie came out. That has to be your porn name now. <clears throat> no, I have a porn name. You know that. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. Um, I don't know if you want to tell that story or not. I no, mean, no, no. After this one, no, definitely. Okay. Um, but we got there, and we're watching it, and it was my son and his girlfriend, my daughter. I think one of her friends was there. And me, and uh, I can't remember if, if the girl I was seeing at the time was there, but we're sitting there, and the movie starts, and it's serious, and then it starts going, are we supposed to laugh at that? Yeah. Because <laughs> that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and, then it just, and then it just went from serious, like, to, just... person, to silliness. Yeah. And it was almost like From Dust to Dawn, which was a crime caper at the beginning. Yeah. And turns into a horror movie at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God bless these guys. Um, you know, both of them, both of the guys who made the movie work for the um, National Ge- Ge- the National Geodetic Survey or something like that. Um, so they're scientists. Yeah. But, and they just had a passion for filmmaking, sort mm-hmm. of like some people I know. <laughs> um and they just wanted to, to make movies, and this was like the second or third movie that they did. And yeah. It was a it was a lot of fun to do. It was it was it was really interesting. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. So, here's a question for you. Sure. Uh, how, how did you come to work with that? What's his name? That that Dalton Burdett guy. Oh my god! How'd you come to work with that asshole? I, I heard he's just a nightmare. Yeah. Um. Well, we we got to the bottom of the stack of applications. No. Um, <laughs> You asshole. <laughs> that was good. Uh, well, obviously, we met through work. Yeah. And and um, we just hit it off. We started, you know, I found out that you were interested in movies. I told you a little bit of my history and stuff, mm-hmm. and we just hit it off. And we got to work on that um, that wonderful little movie, um, Long Hard Day, <laughs> which was so much fun to do. Um, I will say that that's one of the funnest shoots I've ever been a part of. But, man, I'm, I'm so disappointed in that movie. Why are you disappointed in it? Be- because... The thing that helped it is a lot of people who've watched it have told me that like it's really funny, but you know you don't like anything that you make because oh, of God. just We're how our, often we you're, are our own worst critics. You're, edit, you're editing and you're watching it over and over like it means nothing to you by the time it's done. So that was already the case, mm-hmm. but the idea behind like what it was supposed to be versus what came out, and it's no one's fault except mine. Like I'm mm-hmm. the director and. It was just a nightmare to make, and it was my first time, like, where a set didn't go, like, as planned, and just trying to put everything together. You mean the year before we started and uh, <laughs> we finished it type thing? Yeah, yeah. And it was just, yeah, no, yeah, it took, like, a year to make, that's right. Mm-hmm. We, had to, we had to reshoot your whole thing. But, like, it was uh, it was just nuts. Like, that, that movie should not have taken that long to make. And just, you know, it, I learned a lot from it, so I'm grateful for it, but, because, you know, the whole, the whole idea was... What we were trying to do was, you know, one guy's having the worst day of his life, but the other guy's depressed. Mm-hmm. And it's showing it's showing the oppositeness of what having one bad day is like versus someone who feels like they've never had a good day. Right. So it was going to be that theme with the com- with the boner comedy. Mm-hmm. And it didn't play through as much as I wanted it to. It's not obvious. Like, you probably didn't know that until I've said that. And then you mm-hmm. can go back and be like, oh, I kind of see where they tried to fucking do that. No, I, I, could, I could see that. I, I, and, you know. It's just. And, like, honestly, half no of No pun intended, the boner was just too big to get around. <laughs> I mean, you know. It yeah. was, it, no, but, but half of the script isn't even in the, the thing. And I love improv. I love improv. 
but you know well you were very generous too i mean yeah. you know you said do it like the script yeah. and then we'll play with it yeah and then have you know but like and when i say like have it with like the script what i mean is there are entire sequences that were supposed to be different or supposed to like have relevance to continuing the story that just we mm-hmm. couldn't do logistically just because of how a nightmare that was to shoot and like for example um my writing process is sometimes i'll just write something and then form something around it sure the scene like the short scene that i wrote that formed long hard day around it isn't even in the movie Mm. and it's just like that's how much of like a backwards ass like trying to make honestly it's crazy it's as okay as it is (laughs) like just it was so insane it it, it was a lot of fun it really really i will say though shooting it after the first year (laughs) Like when we started redoing it, it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun to shoot. Just the pre and the post nightmare. <laughs> well, I, I think what what happened was you, you have a a you have a core of friends. Yeah. B you have a core of talented friends mm-hmm. who um, who want to give you the best work that they can do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's lighting, whether it's your your your. your your film director, um, you know, your director of photography, yeah. um, your everybody wanted to do a really, really good job mm-hmm. on that, and they wanted to have fun doing it. And you allowed that. You allowed them to have the freedom. You know, you were never a tyrant, and you know, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. You were never a tyrant. Um, you knew what you wanted. You know, it, you you let us play. Um. You know, I, I am disappointed you didn't keep. Oh, sweet baby Beyonce! <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that is my favorite. One of my favorite bloopers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would. I, I, and I think, even if just your friends, if you still have the footage, you need to put together a, a blooper reel and just share. If, it. if I find and it, share it at parties. So yeah, I mean, yeah. No, no, if like, I find it, I will. And, um, you know, and I think it was because I really got excited after No More Safe Haven came out because mm-hmm. that was not supposed to be nearly as, I mean, successful as mm-hmm. it was. I mean, successful not to anyone else, but to me, who had never made anything before, it did very well. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was very shocked by it, so I kind of was just like, all right, next thing. Yeah. And I think that was my mistake. Yeah. And, like, honestly, I would love to do, like, a feature version of Long Hard Day where I can fully explore everything I was trying to do and mm-hmm. make it funny and make it emotional. But, you know, it's a lot of work and a lot of money that I yeah. don't have. Oh, absolutely. But, absolutely. Um, you know... And then we got to work again on uh, the local. Again, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Which lot of it's fun. not out yet. Any everyone who's watching this knows. And uh, I, I like what I'm seeing so far. Of course, I'm the guy making it, so take that with what you will. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, that was one of I really enjoyed writing that script, making that story. And uh, I love your performance in it. And you're oh, going to love your you. performance when you see it. And it. It was fun, but man, I was stressed that whole shoot. <laughs> Dude, I was well, so freaking stressed. Um, not to turn it around about me, but yeah. but somebody yeah. made this comment to me um, just by watching the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed it the first time I saw the trailer, mm-hmm. is that, you know, we, we just said that you're your own worst critic. Mm-hmm. I never, you know, and I'm always, you know, one of the guys on set, uh, I forget what, I think it was Nick who said, you know, yeah, he, he just needs his ego stroked. I said, I don't need my ego stroked. I just <laughs> want to know that I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I want, mm-hmm. you know, because... Let's face it, I ain't getting paid shit for this. <laughs> you know, a couple, of, a couple of slices of pizza and a yeah. soda, you know, yeah, but, yeah. Um, which is fine. You know, and, and I kid, I kid, you know, this is a passion yeah. project. This isn't, uh-huh. you know, and, and as a performer, you know, everything that I've done, I just want to perform. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, I don't care about the money. 
mm-hmm. and it's been like that in wrestling. It's been like that, you know. I, you know, I didn't make a, I didn't make a dime off the radio show when I had it. Yeah, I just, I just like to perform. Um, I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, some some projects pay better than others, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just want to go out there and I want to perform. Okay. And in doing this one, being our own worst critic, when I saw the just the shot of me that you put in the trailer mm-hmm. i was actually talking to ben about this the other day mm-hmm. um somebody mentioned it to me that you actually look like you're acting there i mean <laughs> but naturally not a bad yeah. thing yeah, i mean yeah. you look like you're in the role mm-hmm. just in that one shot and mm-hmm. i felt the same way when i watched it is that mm-hmm. i i looked i looked like you know somebody who's been startled and and yeah. you know mm-hmm. and and has some mental fit you know mm-hmm. di- difficulties yeah um and you know i enjoyed it i mean i enjoyed it um even the physical aspects of it which were you know not much compared to the things that you guys were doing no but still did but, you no but okay on set this isn't a spoiler at one point he gets thrown onto the ground and this man did a f- full fucking front flip and it scared the shit out of everyone because we thought he just like fell and flipped and hurt himself and it was like because you hit the your when your feet hit the ground it was so loud yeah, because I missed the mat with yeah, my feet. Yeah, and so. no one saw, like, where you hit. So we heard that. And, and, like, I didn't even say cut. Everyone was just like, oh, my God, Chuck, are you okay? And it was just immediately, like, he did not tell us he was going to flip. The The direction was fall down, and this man fucking flipped. Well, <laughs> it's like, what? you know, I had two guys throwing me. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it didn't make any sense to just fall down. Uh-huh. And, you know, um, and quite frankly, I can't, I can't do I mean, I can. I'm just going to pay for it. I can't do what you did, like when you you came when you got thrown and you yeah. slid across the floor. Uh-huh. You know, I can't do that anymore. Fake. You know, yeah. it's yeah. it's you know, mm-hmm. I could probably do it, but you yeah. know, I'll be <laughs> down and out for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, with 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 my surgical history, there's not a lot of things that I want to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's yeah. But that was a lot of fun to shoot. It really really was. And and meeting some new people and and um, you know I thought a lot of the performances were great. You know it's 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 going to be fun. I can't wait to see it when it comes out. Yeah. No. I, I'm working on it. It's it's like seventy percent done. I already so. told you I want to be your Bruce Campbell. I, you know I want to be <laughs> I want to be Bruce Campbell to your Sam Raimi. Of I want to be I want to have at least a cameo in every friggin' thing. Of that you the do. fact that you even said Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi in the same sentence as me, I'm already going to be on a high for the next two weeks, <laughs> even though it had nothing to do with quality. That that's that's all it takes. No. Now Nick Nick may have been joking about your ego, but Nick knows I need my ego stroked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Hey, we all none of us do this because we don't need our ego stroked. Yeah, Let's right? face it. I right? mean, you know, it's like, like like dude, dude. When I the moment the moment no more safe haven when I won that award at the film festival, you're out of your fucking mind if you think that wasn't the first thing I put in my Tinder bio, baby. Right oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Award winning award winning film director. Right here. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You won for best actor, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yes. Which is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I I I was shocked. And the reason I was shocked was because one, I hate all my performances because you always do. Two, there was another film there that won best short film. It was called mm-hmm. Absinthe. It was a great film. Uh, a guy named Larry Sheck produced it and was in it. I hope his last name is I hope that's how you say his last name. But uh It is now. <laughs> yeah, but like but he I remember when he uh when i met him he was a lovely guy and i saw his film and i was like holy crap that was one of the best short films i've ever seen and he was so good in it and they're doing and i'm like oh he's shoe in to win 
And then they said my name, and I was like, what the heck? And, like, I, and I went up there and like took it. I was like, this is crazy. And then he ended up winning Best Short Film, thank God. Right. And then... Uh, Where you're expecting, you know, Best Participation Trophy. Yeah, you know, like I was expecting <laughs> something. And then, no, the, the funny thing was, the funny thing was, um, during that whole thing, I think, I think part of the reason why I fooled people at that festival with my acting is because it was the first film festival I'd ever been, like, accepted to. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... This glowy-eyed guy, like, wow, look at all these red carpet. What's your name? I'm Do- Nice to meet you. So I was just like this happiest person mm-hmm. in the entire universe. And no. then I played a character who was like, you know, <laughs> like sad. And brooding. And, yeah, you know. yeah. So I, I and, and then the fighting, I guess, helped. But The, the fighting helped a lot, yeah. Yeah. And, you know. And, but, and, you know, that's just lucky because Anthony, Ian, and I were all background in different martial arts. And then Nick, we just kind of like punch like this. Yeah. <laughs> he tried his best. Well, you know, you need that affirmation, though. I mean, yeah. you know, in 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 comparison, <clears throat> um, going back to the professional wrestling and stuff. When mm-hmm. I started in professional wrestling, um, it was, you know, I had it. W- I thought it was going to be a one shot. Yeah. Okay, um, I was a special guest referee because I was a police lieutenant at the university. We had the show the show at the, the university, uh-huh. and. Um, I got there and person who became my mentor, one of my best friends in the business, um, Bruce Owens, he was the head referee mm-hmm. of this company. And he, he got there and, and the promoter introduced me to him and said, you know, Bruce, you know, this, this Chuck, um, he's a lieutenant with the police department here. Um, he's going to be a special guest referee in the main event. Um, he's going to do a run and do this, that, and the other thing. And Bruce says, okay, cool. And then, the promoter walks off and Bruce says to me, it makes zero fucking sense for you to do a run in at the end. If, <laughs> if you haven't established yourself earlier. Yeah. So you've got match one, four and seven. I said, excuse me. He said, you're doing all those matches. You know, you watched wrestling before. And I said, yeah, since I was, yeah, you know, asshole high to an ant. Yes. I mean, you know, yes, I've watched wrestling. Uh-huh. And, and he says, okay, just stick to the corners, you know, go over the match with the guys ahead of time. And and the first the first match that I had that I participated in was um, between the Vandals and that's Ricky and Tommy Vandal, not their real names, that's their stage names, and um, Skull and Bones, known as the uh, the Crossbones, I think they were called yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was uh, Jarrell Clark who went on to TNA and actually did really really well in TNA wrestling. And Les Allier, who was a promoter here, and, and it's back to promoting. I work for him on, on some local shows now. But it was a comedy match. It was the very first match. It was a comedy mm-hmm. match. And we had so much fun. And I let them play with me. You know, and like mm-hmm. one of them would slide out if I'm standing in the corner because I was sticking to the corners like they told me to. Yeah. And he would, like, untie my shoes and try and tie it <laughs> around the rope and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, little things like that. Um, and it was a comedy match, and it was a lot of fun. Tommy Vandal, um, real name Anthony Jeanette, um, he later on became my tag team partner when we were doing that's so awesome when we were doing cosplay wrestling. Yeah, so it's it's you know so that very first year um, that was uh, that was a Florida championship wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the promoters for another group, the Future of Wrestling, was there, um, Bobby Rogers, and he was there. And after the performance, you know, I, I did the wrestling thing. Um, or the refereeing thing for that match. And I, I did another match later on. I think I was the, 
the second referee outside, like in a battle royal type thing. Mm-hmm. And then I did a run in on the final match with um, um, it was Hack Myers, um, who was in ECW versus the Warlord, who used to be in the WWF. Yeah. And I go in and I overturn, you know, the the uh, the other referee. I overturn his decision because there was some shenanigans involved hard to believe i know but there were shenanigans <laughs> in wrestling what? so so yeah so i overturned the decision and uh um snake master Budadin, who is actually probably more instrumental in getting me into the business than anybody else mm-hmm. um um his name's jeff jeff um he he played his character was the snake master and he would bring snakes to the ring and he had he had at one point in time a 12 foot king cobra that he would unleash in the middle of the ring and if you ever see any of those videos when he does that and i'm standing on the top rope that's real okay there's nothing fake about that yeah um and nothing staged about that you know because there was some major pucker factor going on on that sure uh and he'd go up behind the snake and kiss it on top of the head and it's like yeah no (laughs) good on you buddy yeah, yeah, no fucking I'll, way. I'll, I'll, I'll take the zero. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, it, it, it was fun. We had it set up that he would hit me over the head with the Staff of Darkness, mm-hmm. which is basically a, a kendo stick, Singapore yeah. cane, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, wrapped up in black um, mm-hmm. black ribbon with a little shrunken head on top of it and stuff like that. And he'd whack me over the head with it. And my daughter was young enough back then that she was in the audience we actually did it backstage for her to show her that it's not, I'm not going to get her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's smart. I'm, I'm going to go down like a ton of bricks, but yeah, I'm not going to yeah. get her. So he whacks me over the head with it. And I go down. Um, we had it set up that one of my sergeants, um, and, uh, the chief of police were at rinks. Well, she wasn't chief of police then. I think she was still a Lieutenant, <clears throat> but they were at ringside. They were doing security and stuff. After they hit me over the head, he goes sliding out, and the sergeant goes to arrest him for for striking an officer <laughs> because I'm in my jurisdiction. That's pretty good. And so he resists. She pulls out pepper spray and pepper sprays him. I used to be a chemical weapons instructor, so yeah. I had inert units and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So okay. she sprays the fuck out of him with, uh-huh. with basically pressurized water. Yeah, yeah. He's selling it like a mother trucker. Yeah. They get him down on the ground. They handcuff him. They're dragging him out. That's so Crowd's awesome. going nuts. Crazy, yeah. And it was so much fun. And so Bobby Rogers, the promoter from the mm-hmm. other group, he comes up to me afterwards. He says, I've got Bruce who's getting on in years. He's an excellent referee. And I got this other guy, Joey Ska, who's a little skinny kid. I need somebody who can realistically get between two 280-pound guys and push them apart and keep them apart. And he says, you know, are you interested in working for me? I was like, yes yeah let's do it and he he cut a deal with me where i would work shows he wouldn't pay me but he would pay for me to go to wrestling school Uh yeah so i went to wrestling school and there was a the wrestling school was run by a guy who used to be what's known as a jobber in Mm -hmm. the Mm wwf okay a jobber is somebody who loses yeah um but is very, very good at the craft because they can take any move that anybody dishes them yeah. and mm-hmm. sell it like a mother trucker. Yeah, it's know? usually so, to kind of elevate a certain upcoming yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. enhancement. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I get there, and Larry says to me, he says, um, you know, I told him, I said, I'm here to train to become a referee. And he's like, I don't train referees. I train wrestlers. If you want to roll around with the guys and 
you know, learn wrestling, you can move on from there. But you're going to learn how to take bumps first and all that. And I was in there, and I, I was 40 at the time. And, and, and I'm in there, and I'm running the ropes, and I'm taking bumps, and, and we're doing all this. And then, you know, they had a rookie rampage, and which is near and dear to my heart. That was technically my first official match uh-huh. because, um, you know, I went in there, and it was – it was the only match that my mom and dad were able to come see. Mm. And it was at the Hollywood racetrack. It was in the parking lot. And I did double duty on that one. I wrestled in the rookie rampage, but I was also a referee. Nice. Um, and we went and, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I went in, I I had a singlet, I had boots, you know, I had the whole Mm -hmm. thing, you know, I looked, I looked something like a wrestler. (laughs) Um, and it was very, very quick. It was, you know, it was, it was like Royal Rumble rules. You know, every mm-hmm. three minutes somebody else goes in. Yeah. And I think I was the third person in, and I was in with Larry. And they threw me into, you know, he, he, he kicked me. He kind of kicked me a little low, actually, mm-hmm. you know, because I got one of my testes in there, I think. <laughs> um, but then they tossed me into the ropes. My big move is coming off with a double clothesline. Mm-hmm. Boom, that's it. Um, and then they'll eliminate me. You know, so but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then um, I had a couple of other small matches and all that. And then we did this this one thing back again back at the university, where um, um, suicidal tendencies had a match. And their their manager Lou Spector um, had it in their contract that it was going to be a tag team match against Bobby Rogers. Um, Bobby thought it was going to be. According to the storyline, he thought it was going to be a singles match against, I think, Dennis Allen. It was mm-hmm. Dennis and Sean Alley. That yeah. Sean Allen, they're known as suicidal tendencies, um, and um, they, you know, they said, "Naha, we fooled you. You have to have a tag team match. You have to have, you know, you have till a count of ten to find somebody to be your partner." So I was the referee, and he's like, uh-huh. "Referee, if that person isn't in the ring by the count of ten, they for he has to forfeit, and yeah, and it's like okay. I start the ten, ten count one, <laughs> two, and I, and as I get to like eight, eight and a half, um, we had a wrestler named Punisher, um, big pun, super big guy. Yeah. Um, he came out. Uh, he actually did a few episodes of Burn Notice too. Nice. Um, he comes out, and um, just as I count ten, he's starting to put his foot through, and he didn't make it in time. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, nope, nope, you can't be it. And, you know, and I escort him out of the ring and I go back in the back. And uh, Bobby's, you know, they're like, ah, you have to forfeit or you have to fight both these guys at once and all this uh-huh. stuff. And, and, you know, because you didn't have your, your partner in the ring at the count of 10. And Bobby's like, oh, contraire, but I did. And then he says, hit his music. And they start playing the theme to Cops, Bad Boys. <laughs> And I come, I come out, I come out with my 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 um, my slacks. I had to go in back, rip yeah. off my my yeah. ref shirt, and put on an FOW shirt. And I came out, and I was his tag team partner, and that God, was the, that was my first tag did team. Did the match. crowd go nuts? I would have. And and Dennis had worked for the WWF, so I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm wrestling a guy who was in the WWF, yeah. man. You know, mm-hmm. he, even though he, he had a couple of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, very small matches, it's yeah. like, you know. And, Still. and I respected the hell out of these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were, these two guys were, um, Sean Allen's 
one of his original names was Tank, just mm-hmm. to give you an idea of yeah. how he was built. Yeah. And Dirty Dennis Allen, he was one of the dirtiest guys in the game mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So um, so I'm wrestling them. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and stuff like that. And um, and Sean is, Sean's taking it to me. I mean, we're outside. He's slamming my head on the table and all this stuff. We're doing all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> he, he says to me, he, said, he, he slams me down on the ground. And he says, roll away. And, and he slams me down. He starts to climb the rope. He looks around. And I'm rolling. <laughs> Afterwards, he says, no, when I jump, you roll out of the way. And it's like, oh, did not know that. Okay. Um, and I forget how we won the match, but we ended up, we won the match. And it's like, yeah, I got my first win. Cool. That's awesome. So, and then um, later on, you know, it, it, I, I had so many enjoyable experiences in that. But that was the first year that I worked. Mm-hmm. And... We had a we had a Christmas um, Christmas party, and it was a fan vote um, for best tag team, best match, best wrestler, and stuff. And FOW was it was the shit back then. I mean, you know, we we had shows, you know, that we had thirty five hundred people in the in the um, Davy Rodeo grounds for mm-hmm. matches like Dusty Rhodes versus Terry Funk versus Abdullah the Butcher versus Kevin Sullivan. Wow, and you know. Um, um, Antonio Banks, who later on became MVP, you know, he, you know, he used to come and train, you know, help train at the, at the, um, at the school. And, uh, he beat the shit out of me one night too. You know, <laughs> like I said, you know, my claim to fame in wrestling is I, I take a really good beating <laughs> Yeah, and I was not afraid to, to get color, get, yeah. getting color in the business means you're not afraid to bleed, Yeah, you know, a little piece of razor blade and you just yeah. you know, go real quick and, you know, and, you know, I wasn't afraid to, I, I wasn't afraid to be set on fire. I wasn't afraid to get <laughs> body slammed on thumbtacks. I wasn't afraid to go over the top rope through a table, you know, and all these things, you know, that I was doing mm. as a referee, you know, eventually, um, Tommy Vandal, um, became the de facto owner or booker. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if he was ever the full owner of FOW. FOW went away and went on hiatus for, for, a variety of reasons for yeah. a little while and then it came back and they gave they gave the book to anthony to do mm-hmm. and anthony um we had some success in icw wrestling down in in miami where um we had this gimmick where i was his personal referee and i would come to the ring and basically help him cheat yeah. you know yeah. if somebody was pinning him it was one two Dude. ow is there a nail in there? With <laughs> you know, or, you know, drop a contact. Oh, where's yeah. my contact? Or, yeah. you know, stop and tie my shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when, when he's pinning somebody, it's, yeah. you know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I got, I got several beat downs through that and all that. And, uh, you know, so we had, we had a lot of success and a lot of fun on that. And, you know, they were, they were cutting promos on me and they were cutting promos on him. And, uh, it comes up that uh, in an, in another group, I think it was D1PW, um, Billy Fives, who had the most the utmost respect for in the business. Billy is one of the nicest guys, and if you're his friend, if he likes you, he is the sweetest. Well, I wouldn't say he's the sweetest, but um, you know he has your back. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, uh, and he always had my back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the kind of guy that um, whether he was baby face or a heel whether he's a good guy or bad guy at the end of the match if i was if i was the referee in that match he would ddt me he would 
mm-hmm. super kick me. Yeah. He would he would punch me in the face. He'd uh-huh. do something. And it became a gimmick, you know, where his kids would show up. How's my dad going to beat you up tonight? That's like, <laughs> Your dad's not good. He doesn't do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. And it's like, you know. And I, I t- and and the fans came to expect it. Yeah, and it was it was it it was a lot of fun. That's so anyway, funny. we had this, we had this angle that we were working that. Billy was getting ready to, you know, turn in his boots, you know, retire kind of thing, mm-hmm. and they wanted to have a, um, a championship match against him, um, and they had a selection of three people. They had Tommy Vandal, Flex Magnum, or me. <laughs> Fan boats. Turns out I won the vote. And I thought it was, you know, we, we had it set up that it was, regardless who won, I was going to yeah. wrestle him. Yeah. Um, but I actually won. According to the promoter, yeah. I actually yeah. won. And so, you know, I had to go on YouTube, cut promos against him. He never cut a promo against me and all that. And we get we get there, and you got to know Billy. To know Billy is to love him or fear him, one of the two. <laughs> that day, it was a little bit of both. Yeah. And, you know, we're in the back. And I was referee during the early part of the show. And we get back and we're talking about the match. And it's like, you know, I said, so what are we doing? He's like, oh, we'll figure it out out there. I said, just one question. Um, Am I getting color? He says, yeah, if you want to. So cool. Um, Obviously, I'm not winning this thing. Okay. Um, (laughs) But are you going to allow me to get any offense in? And he's like, you can try. (laughs) And it's like, Oh, Shit. F- fuck me, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is how the match went. <sighs> um, <laughs> so we go out there, and Billy and I are in the in the middle of the ring, and and Billy is, um, um, he's very muscular, very well uh-huh. built. He's a, he's a true shooter. Um, in the wrestling parlance, means that he could take you down and, and stretch you and, and yeah. hurt you in a variety of different ways. Yeah legitimate tough guy mm-hmm. super legitimate tough guy and um but he comes up to here on me you know so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm standing there and he's like yeah i just wanted to congratulate you for winning that vote good on you and i was like oh great thanks he says and he puts out his hand now knowing what to expect of yeah. course i put out my hand which he promptly kicks me in the balls as soon yeah. as he grabs my hand i go down to my knees um as I'm on my knees, he hits me with a roundhouse kick. Uh-huh. I, I, I go down. I start crawling over to the corner. Um, he goes to paintbrush me. And I was it, my fault completely, mm-hmm. completely. I was in a bad position. He goes to paintbrush me. And when he does, uh, um, paintbrushing means he comes running by and then he hits you with the foot on the side yeah. of your face. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to be between the ropes at that time. Yeah. And I wasn't. My face was like at rope level when he did it. And so when he came across and he paintbrushed me, um, my face went into the ropes, uh, broke my nose, um, mm. broke broke the socket, the eye socket. Damn. Um, you know, the whites of my eyes were were red, yeah. both eyes. Damn. My nose was crooked. Um, you know, and he comes over and he grabs me by the hair, and blood's pouring out of my nose onto onto the onto the mat, and he's going. 
I didn't do anything that you should gig yet. Gigging yeah. means cutting yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do broke by does. <laughs> <laughs> and he's what? What? Do broke by does, Billy. Billy. And he's like, oh, fuck, dude. Sorry. Let's go ahead and end this. Yeah. And he drags me out to the middle of the ring. I said, no, let's keep going. He says, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, but I'm okay. Because we were, we were planning on going out about three or four minutes. Yeah. This is like 30 seconds into the match, you know, yeah. less than a minute uh-huh. into the match. And he puts me in the middle of the ring and he, he gives me another roundhouse kick uh-huh. where, you know, I I could see it coming. So yeah. I, I went with it. I was fine. Yeah. And I went down and I just rolled out of the ring. And then um, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with ECW wrestling, but Rob mm-hmm. Van Dam. Oh, my God. Yeah. Rob Van yeah. Dam used to have a uh, manager, uh, Bill Alfonso, uh-huh. uh, Fonzie. Yes, yes. Fonzie comes running out from the back because we're using him on this show. Uh-huh. Again, super nice guy. Fonzie's like the coolest. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm not talking about Henry Winkler. I'm talking about <laughs> Bill. Yeah. Um, he comes out and he's got his whistle and all that. He's whistling and stuff. Hey, hold the phone. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Chuck Oren didn't win that boat. You know, it was rigged because they didn't want the real man to face you. And that real man is Tommy Vandal who really run the won the boat. And so Tommy comes out and Tommy beats him for the title. Yeah. So I get in the back and the promoter's checking on me. And he's like, thank you for making wrestling look real again. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's like, no problem. <laughs> and I'm in the back and Tommy's back there. And he's like, ooh, your nose. And I'm, and this is like the fourth time I've had my nose broken. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, my. Yeah. And oh I just God. put it back. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, but that first year in wrestling was so much fun and there were so many groups to work for at the time wrestling was like in its heyday i was working for future wrestling i was working working for um four star um championship wrestling i was working working for ipw hardcore up in tampa um i get to work in a lot of places but at the christmas party um i won referee of the year my first year out nice so i i talked to the promoter i said is that a shoot is that for real? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He says, you know, you engage with the audience. You know, you you joke around with the audience. You know, if if you know if somebody's calling you blind out there, you'll go and get a little kid's glasses and put them on. And, uh, that's not helping, you know, and stuff. You you mess around with the audiences. You don't take away from the matches, but you enhance the experience for the audience. You yeah. you interact with them, and they like that. And plus, on top of that, you're the referee that's taken a lot of bumps. You know, um, Joey would take bumps occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce would take a lot. Bruce liked to get color too. So he, yeah. would, he, he would, um, he would do a lot of things, but it was, it, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was mm-hmm. interesting and it was fun. And it was something I could get my kids involved in because yeah. my daughter would sell concessions. My son mm-hmm. would help set up the ring and tear down the ring. Um, eventually, so cool. eventually he became a referee. Uh-huh. Um, my daughter refereed once and then she became a professional wrestler. She yeah. did, she did it, you know, for a very short time, but they loved her, mm-hmm. you know, her, 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 uh, wrestling name was Allie Jacobs. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, she had, she had a whole lot of fun doing it, you know, and, That's awesome. you know, and, and then over the years and then last year again, to pat myself on the back, <laughs> Um, last year I was nominated by a gentleman who was in the WWF back in the day. Um, he was known as the pug it's Alex Portel. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he runs the, um, 
the Orlando Legends Luncheon, which is a wrestling legends yeah. luncheon. Mm-hmm. And and he nominated me. And That's uh, so, awesome, so uh and with Billy Fives, um mm-hmm. I because I, I nominated Billy Fives. Yeah. And uh, I received my uh, Legends plaque, and Billy received his, and, it, you know, we had a lot of fun with it. And then, you know, we go to the Tampa Legends luncheons, which are much bigger. Tampa wrestling was the the hotbed of wrestling in Florida in the day. And just the legends that you'll see there and stuff. Mm-hmm. B. Brian Blair and Jerry Briscoe's there, and Steve Kern's there a lot of times, and, and a whole bunch of people that, you know, just, just awesome, awesome people. You know, people who were my heroes growing but up. Yeah, but no, like you just have such like a fascinating life, just all the different careers that you've had. And just, it's it's insane, dude. It's insane. I'm really glad that you were able to come on and share these things with you. Now, you. now we can do what we just do at work all the time when it's so, let's just shoot the shit about movies, my guy. Cool. So, you see anything recently that really you really liked or just anything that comes to mind? Well, I rewatched something the other day that I really had a good time. It's one of my favorite movies, and that's Rock of Ages. Um, I, I just love that movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. the fuck knew that Tom Cruise could sing? Jesus yeah. Christ. No, I, I saw the off-Broadway show up in New York two years ago. Last year. Last mm-hmm. year. It was really, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so behind on some movies. I mean, I, I saw I, the last movie I actually sat down and watched um, start to finish at the theater um, because I screened it was Monster Hunter. <laughs> How was that? That's well, it's two hours of my life. I'm never going to get back. <laughs> I mean, I love Mila Jovovich. I really, really yeah. do. And uh, wrong, Paul Anderson. <laughs> oh God! And um, um, interestingly enough, from Rock of Ages, Diego Benitez in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but God, that, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I'm not a film critic. Understand it's my personal <laughs> taste only. But it's all subjective, bro. Oh, it's all subjective. God, that movie blew Donkey Dicks recorders. Man, I'm telling you, it, it it was bad. Yeah, it was not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, even J Dubs, our buddy, you know, at work, he's mm-hmm. like, you know, he says, "I'm a big fan of the video games. I do not like that movie." <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, I, I've been going through. By the way, guys, I promise that my f- best movies of 2020 video is coming. I'm just catching up on the last ones. And it's weird this year because since the Oscars are going in April, you're eligible till March. So I'm not counting any of these 2021 movies on my list, just letting you know. But uh, I've okay. but I, uh, I've been going through movies that I've been putting off and then like watching them now so that I can make my list. And sometimes begrudgingly because they, they wouldn't. They're they're not gonna be in my top ten, but I watched yeah. them anyway. But like some of them, I'm glad I did. Like mm-hmm. I just watched uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's mm-hmm. a Netflix movie. It's Chadwick Boseman's last movie. Okay, I think I saw something about that. Yeah. Fucking unbelievable, so good. And like he, and I'm not just saying this because he passed away. He's going to get an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll win because the competition's gonna be rough this year. He's gonna get nominated. He does cool. two killer monologues in this thing. Just the whole like style of the movie was so cool mm-hmm. and. uh I also saw um, a movie that blew me away. I talked about it briefly called His House. Yes. yes. It's a Netflix horror movie. Fucking awesome. Awesome movie. And uh, really, really surprised me with how good it was. Mm -hmm. Especially just because, you know, I love when people use the horror genre to explore really dark themes. Mm -hmm. And this movie does that in spades. Sort of like Get Out did. Yeah. You know, know, I mean, it's, you know, I... (laughs) I, I have, you know, you know, we've talked about this before. I have a problem with, uh, I have a little bit of ADHD, and <laughs> yeah. um, 
you know, like like uh, Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park, I believe in the chaos theory and all yeah. that stuff. So I have random mm-hmm. number generators on my phone and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's Amazon, Netflix, Tubi, FilmRise, yeah. all mm-hmm. this stuff, you know, if if there's not something that I need to watch right then and right there, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go to my random number generator and, you know, I'm okay, Tubi, you know, mm-hmm. I, 17 categories down 23 movies across and yeah that's what i'm gonna watch uh-huh. and i found some gems and i found some <laughs> i'm sure some oh, some dogs man yeah. oh oh bigfoot versus the zombies do not watch <laughs> do not watch when when bigfoot is shorter than the lead actress mm, mm. yeah no that's no. a shame you know yeah it's and oh it was so bad mm-hmm. so bad and not even in a good way you know, there are bad movies that, that turn out to be good. Yeah, for, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite movies that I've, I've talked to you about at work before, and I don't think you've seen it. Um, I might be thinking of something, but it's it's a musical. It's Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Arts Club Band. I have not seen it. With the Bee Gees and Peter mm-hmm. Frampton yeah. and Aerosmith and Steve Martin mm-hmm. and, and Alice Cooper. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's the nostalgic feel mm-hmm. for it that I really, really like. Yeah. But, and, you know, the music I definitely like because it's the only person who speaks in the movie is George Burns, just yeah. to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. Everything else is all tied together with, you know, his narrative and then Beatles songs mm-hmm. performed by all these artists and Earth, Wind & Fire is in it. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's to, me, it's a, to me, it's a fun movie. It's a shitty movie, but it's a fun movie. Yeah, no, of course. Um, uh, speaking of the Bee Gees, I watched the Bee Gees documentary on HBO this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it was called How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? Um, and I feel very fortunate. Um, back in the early 90s, um, after Hurricane Andrew, um, they had a hurricane relief concert mm-hmm. at Joe Robbie's. It was Joe Robbie Stadium at the time. I think it's, I don't know what the name of the stadium is now. It was. It, it, it's changed so many times yeah but it's it's where the dolphins play let's call mm-hmm. it um and that was it was an amazing concert it was um it was long i mean it started like 10 o'clock in the morning and then went on until like three o'clock in the morning and we didn't stay for the wow. whole thing and it's something that gloria stefan put together mm-hmm. and gloria stefan performed the bgs performed um tito puente performed um and i got to be friends with tito puente jr um nice. later on who got involved in wrestling of all things um uh, let's see weird al yankovic performed um they had comedians perform which does not do well in, yeah in yeah in a stadium not a good mix yeah. up yeah uh but um it, it was it was it was an awesome concert it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and um I, if it's a good mood, you know me, I'm an emotional person. I'm a passionate person. Oh, yeah. And if I see a movie that's touching me, I'm going to weep. Oh, yeah. If I listen to music that touches me, I'm Mm -hmm. going to weep. Mm -hmm. It's not unusual for me at concerts to be wiping my eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, for for fuck's sake, at WrestleMania, I've been to to two WrestleManias. And the Uh WrestleMania at at Joe Robbie Stadium that I went to years Mm ago, when they did the flyover mm-hmm. you know at the end of the national anthem they did yeah. they did a flyover with yeah. the um with the f f i think they were f-18s you know i'm a veteran and that just strike that gets me yeah. in my pride man yeah. and uh, you know i'm like 
it's fucking great, man. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I get very very emotional at concerts. I get you know I get emotional in films and things like that. No, I have yeah. a list on my computer of every movie that's ever made me cry, and I really? update it every every time. And the thing is, it's funny. Sometimes it's not the first time I watch a movie. Like it'll be the second oh, or third time, yeah. and something hit me that didn't hit me before. And it fucks me up, dude. There are movies today that I've watched dozens of times, and they still tear me up. You know what fucking got me the second time I watched it was, uh, well, the first time too, but for different reasons, was Avengers Endgame. And okay. It, because the first time I got it, just I'm a nerd. Mm-hmm. So, like, when all the heroes come back and Cap says Avengers Assemble, I'm like, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. I was, but, I, yeah, I was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. fucking A right they do. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but this, the second time I watched it, I fucking cried so hard at the scene when Thor's talking to his mom when they're in like the they're going back in time and just because I've someone has someone who struggled with depression before mm-hmm. in that moment he calls out to Mjolnir and he catches it and I missed it the first time because the first time he catches it my my audience clapped the second time I saw it my audience didn't clap when he catches Mjolnir he gets tears in his eyes and he says I'm still worthy Yes. And oh yeah. my God, dude, that second time when I noticed that, that fucking destroyed me. Oh my God. My son and I, in the first Thor movie, mm-hmm. okay, after Thor is laid out and stuff yeah. like that, mm-hmm. and that hand shoots up and the hammer's there, my son's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we got tears coming down yeah. our face and all. Yeah. Uh, but the movie, and, and it's stupid as hell, but, you know, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. I'm a Star Trek guy. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up with Star oh, Trek. Oh, dude, you can do Wrath of Khan? Dude, that makes me cry too. Oh, That's man. That's sad as fuck, dude. And, and, and because of that movie, and, and not just because of that movie. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've, I've, I've had the unfortunate duty of having to go to several cop funerals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they start playing Amazing Grace on the bagpipes, you know, I can't help but think to Wrath yeah, of Khan. of course. And I'm already weeping because, yeah. you know, one of the things they do at a cop funeral is the final call. Yeah, God. Mm-hmm. And that just tears me up. Yeah, you know, yeah. But. Did I tell you what? A movie that fucking destroyed me was it's a movie from Robert Redford directed it, but he's not in it. And it won Best Picture of the year it came out. It's called Ordinary People. Yeah, yeah. Carol Burnett. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no. Mary Tyler Moore. Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. And Donald Sutherland. Oh mm-hmm. my God, that whole there's a scene. I don't want to spoil it for someone who hasn't watched it, but there's a scene at the end of the movie that is so goddamn heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and it destroys me every time I fucking watch it. Oh, and fuck Pixar. Oh my God, the amount of times they've made me fucking cry. God damn it! <laughs> like, dude, Inside like, Out fucking destroyed me. Have you seen Inside Out? Yes. And, yes. and the thing is, yeah, the the Bing Bong scene is sad. What got me is because as a kid who moved when they were like in their preteens. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm gonna get emotional fucking talk about it <laughs> when when she when and like just the message of the movie is so good of how like you need sadness like what a genius way like for that movie it's it's probably my favorite Pixar movie mm-hmm. but when sadness takes control and she just fucking lets it out to her parents like how sad she is oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> it destroyed me there's one I want you to try and uh, find uh-huh. and it's uh, god I, I knew I was, I, I was thinking about the movie. I, I know who it stars. It's got Judd Hirsch and Kate Nelligan in it. Mm-hmm. It's an older movie. Yeah. Oh, shit. What's the name of that movie? They had a TV series by the same name. Later I'm sorry. On. I don't know it. Um, but anyway, Judd Hirsch plays a detective. Mm-hmm. Kate Nelligan is a mom. Her son disappears one day. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
Without a Trace. That's okay. the name of the movie. Okay. Without a Trace. And she does and and Judd Hirsch plays a detective who never gives up on the case. Mm-hmm. You know. And just there's a there's there's a twist ending to it. Mm-hmm. And it fucking annihilates me. <laughs> Every goddamn time. And every person I, I that you that was my betting movie. I bet you can't watch that movie without crying at the end. I will bet you real money that you can't do that. I gotta watch it now. And 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 it's it's just oh my god. Uh, yeah, that that I remember the first time. It doesn't really get me on rewatches, but the first time I saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, that got me. Do you watch Ratchet? No. The reason, okay, when when the show was being promoted, mm-hmm. I got so excited because I love the movie, mm-hmm. love the movie. I never read the book, but I love the movie. I haven't seen it since it came out. I gotta watch it. It's again. so good, but um. When I saw an ad for it, I got so excited that I, I grabbed Hannah and I was like, we're walking, watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Because the first time I saw an ad, it came out in like three weeks. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God. So I'm like, we, as an, I got so excited. Then the reviews came out and they were terrible. And it crushed me and I didn't want to watch it and be disappointed. So I never started it. It's, it's not that bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm only, I'm only like two mm-hmm. or three episodes in. But yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah, I, I gotta, um, I gotta check it. I'll tell you what, dude. Speaking of shows that were great, did you watch Queen's Gambit? I have. I think I have an episode and a half to finish it. So good. Oh, she's and, amazing. And Anya Taylor Joy is one of my favorite actresses. I've been saying it she, since she, Thoroughbreds. She, since that movie she, Thoroughbreds. She is classically like nineteen forties gorgeous. She is. That's exactly you know, how I describe you know, it. Yep. Yeah, she is. I mean, you know, she she wouldn't be considered hot by today's standards. But, <laughs> Speak for yourself, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I'm talking about in comparison. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Um, but I, I mentioned it. I, th- I think I mentioned. It, I mentioned to a mutual friend the other day that she was the girl in in um, Split and yeah. and mm-hmm. and Glass. And it's like, really? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she was uh, uh, Magic and New Mutants. Yes, yes, yes. Ilania. Il- Ilania Rasputin. Yes, yes. Oh God. Uh, oh, another. Oh, oh, I was just thinking there was another show. One, I, I don't think you've watched it, but you got to check it out just for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a it's a Amazon show. Uh, uh, it's called John Claude Van Johnson. You told me about this. You told me about this. <laughs> oh yes. my god! You did. Oh my god! Now, to be fair, mm-hmm. for you to fully enjoy this this show yeah you have to be familiar with his movies yeah oh yeah, yeah because yeah. No, there's so many throwbacks dude, all, all, whether it's time cop or all i, there, I love john claude there's one scene where he's driving a car and and you know he he like enters himself in this race mm-hmm. and because he's playing a spy of course yeah, yeah yeah and he's driving this stick shift and he can't drive it worth shit mm-hmm. and then you know, he goes and he parks the car and he says, hold on a second, I know what the problem is. And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a blindfold and he just puts it on. And he fucking annihilates the race. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Dude, but, I, I tell you what, he wasn't that bad in that Ex- Expendables 2. He wasn't. He, wasn't. he was good. And here's the thing. Expendables 1 tried to be a good movie. And that's what the problem was. Expendables two is fucking great because it knew exactly what it was and it just. But went even for in it. Expendables one, they they were still throwing in the goofy lines. Yes, and shit. yeah, but like, you but know, the tone the was all. Lines, yeah, but yeah. the tone was all like 
dark and weird and like Eric Roberts and like human trafficking. And then the second one, you get Chuck Norris doing Chuck Norris jokes. Yeah. You, you get them shooting up people and Sylvester Stallone going, rest in pieces. It's yeah. It's like, fuck. Yeah. 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 It was and, so fun. And the third one too. I mean, you know, the third one with... Uh, um, um, Mel Gibson and Med- Wesley Mel Snipes. Mel Gibson yeah. and Wesley Snipes. I mean, you know, you know, it's it's just, you know what you are. Mm-hmm. Go have fun with it. Yeah, ad lib the fuck out of it yeah. if you want to. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's. Oh, yeah. um, just speaking of action movies, uh, you ever watched The Raid? Yes. Oh hell yes. Oh dude, I The Raid I, Two I actually liked better than The Raid. I think The Raid Two is a better movie than The Raid. Yeah. But The Raid has a special place in my heart. Do you know that the budget of The Raid? One million dollars. Really? Mm-hmm. Damn. And all of the guns were airsoft guns that they like spray painted. Oh wow! Yeah, and like it's, it's insane, and just like, and I love how it's like a video game. How like each level, each floor is like a harder, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, but dude, like the the fucking action choreography. Because you know me, I'm huge on stunt and action choreography. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed by it. If your movie is bad, I will like it more if it has good stunt and action choreography. Well, here, here's the thing. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. going a little bit off topic, yeah, but because you and I have had this discussion before, mm-hmm. specifically about your own movies, yeah, um. I'm a big fan of realistic fighting. Yes. Okay. Like in the a, Die in a Hard. Movie. Yeah. You know, where, you know, you, well, I wouldn't well, go, well, I, wouldn't, fight, I wouldn't go Die Hard. Well, no, the, the, <laughs> the, the fight with um the German blonde guy at, towards the end of the movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, the, the They Live fight. Or, with or, or Atomic Blonde. You know, Atomic yeah. Blonde was a good example yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you're in a fight like that, you're all beat to fuck. You yeah. Know, you know, you Daredevil does that well as well. The Daredevil show. does amazing yeah. with that. Yeah. You know, it, it's still a little, a little stylized. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but that's what Daredevil is. It yeah. has to be. Yeah. Because yeah. it's Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which, Charlie Cox, Spider Man, new movie. Well, if, dude, if it's do? true, if it's true, I'm gonna they, lose my fucking mind. They they have confirmed that he's done shooting. That comicbook.com confirmed that. I'm waiting for like Variety or some or like I'm waiting for it because, dude, if they it's do, I'm gonna things, lose my fucking mind. It's one of those mind. things that I have no proof, but I know it's dude, it's dude, true. Like, <laughs> it, like I want it to be real so bad, so bad. I want to go back and watch Daredevil again before I, they I am. Watch. I I um I got Hannah into the the Netflix. And it's shows, funny you brought up Expendables because I watched all three last month. I don't know why, but I just watched all three. <laughs> That's good. But anyway, the stylized fighting. The stylized fighting. I mean, um, here's another movie for you to look up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of Jackie Chan's earliest, mm-hmm. and he this movie saved me from depression when i was in the military because mm-hmm. i was stationed at lackland air force base we had three movie theaters on 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 base yeah because lackland's a big base it's mm-hmm. a training base and there i was in tech school i wasn't in basic training so i could come and go as i please as yeah. long as i was in a class and um i would go and for, little one house movie theater mm-hmm. and they would show the same movie for two or three weeks in a row yeah and i saw this movie so many times and it was my escape because it was the first time i ever saw jackie chan uh-huh. the movie was called um it was on screen back then it was called the big brawl okay mm-hmm. i think it was repackaged and renamed as um battle in battle creek or something like that okay but it had Jose Ferrer okay. as the bad guy, mm-hmm. and Jackie Chan, um, just you know, incredible stuntman, yeah. incredible fight choreographer, yeah. 
even watching him in some old Bruce Lee movies and trying to pick yeah. him out and stuff uh-huh. like just amazing stuff. Um, but that kind of stuff I like mm-hmm. because it's it's not trying to be a serious fight. Yeah. Um, things and and don't don't misunderstand me. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I understand the technical expertise mm-hmm. needed to complete these stunts, mm-hmm. film these stunts, choreograph, choreograph these stunts, mm-hmm. doing all that. I get all that. Okay. I mm-hmm. understand all that. A movie like John Wick, which I fucking love. Yeah. Okay. Excellent movie. Amazing movie. But, but again, you know, the stylized fighting, mm-hmm. that's not a real world situation, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. he, he's a top assassin going up against the top assassins. It's yeah. gotta be stylized yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. You can't have a, a real fight like that. Yeah. It's not an, a, going back to an, a, an atomic blonde situation yeah. where it's gritty and it's, yeah. it's trying to be as real as possible. Yeah. And I, I to me, I, cause like I, I love both style of fights as long, as long as it's edited well, shot well yes. and choreographed well. It has to be. Yeah. Cause fucking God, was it taken three where they did 19 cuts for him to jump a fence? Oh, I don't think it's so taken three. Oh my God. Dude, there's a scene where Liam Neeson jumps a fence and they cut 19 times. <sighs> but like, it's, I hate, but like, to me, it comes down to as a filmmaker, what is required in that moment? Mm-hmm. Where are you at in the story? And I think with Daredevil, with Atomic Blonde, especially the one or at the end of Atomic Blonde, the reason why they're realistic, like they're getting tired, they're you know not like as they're going, it gets harder and harder for them to go. The reason why that had to happen at that point in the movie is because emotionally and psychologically, where the characters were that fit perfectly yeah. and in the daredevil fight for example um at the end of episode two you know it's intercut with this past about everything that he's been doing and about like trying to you know you see his father die and you see and earlier in the episode he's he's just getting stitched up like he's barely put together mm-hmm. so you have him barely put together during the fight like he's throwing mm-hmm. microwaves at people you know trying to just mm-hmm. get through it and emotionally it's the end of a two-episode story. Right. So, you know, it's kind of mirroring, you know, getting to the end of that story and, you know, being tired out. And, you know, that realism keeps you in that scene. Whereas there are some movies like, um, like I'll do John Wick, for example, where if John Wick could barely fight at the end of John Wick, which he kind of does, but with the older mm-hmm. guy. But I mean, before that, when he gets there, instead you get that awesome scene where he drifts the car and he's shooting out the window. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know that the momentum and the pacing of that scene requires the fighting to be stylized in yes. order to get to the point where it was. Again, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. But that's necessary for that type of yeah, movie. Yeah, And the the reason why I defend it in sort of like, for the local, for example, is pacing-wise, if you had that fight scene, our fight scene, be a 100% realistic, you know, they're tired, mm-hmm. the punches are being hard to throw, and fight scene... It completely takes away from the buildup of that moment right. because the entire film is leading up to when the fuck is Jackson going to start fucking throwing hands? Like that, that's the whole point of the thing. And I think if you had it, it'd you be have dis- to have that it would slow be disappointing. build. Yeah, if, you have to have that yeah. slow build, and that you ha- you yeah. have to have the payoff. Yeah, plain and simple. You mm-hmm. know, it's that's all there is to it. Yeah, and then you know, trailer for nobody. Mm-hmm. Okay, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Odenkirk, not the guy I'd pick to have him on back and you know backing yeah. me up in a fight. Yeah, let's no no you know Bob, if you're listening to this, if you ever see it, <laughs> no offense, men, okay. But again, the way they shoot it, the way they choreograph it, mm-hmm. you believe it. Yeah, 
because because it's fascinating and mm-hmm. it's great and and i really really hope that it does become part of the john wick universe. <laughs> that would be so cool i i know they probably won't but, yeah no but but, but uh, speaking of like i think the first taken movie i really like the first taken movie mm-hmm. the sequels i fucking hate but the first one one of the best choreographed scenes just takes place in a car mm-hmm. and it because you can have shaky cam as long as it's used as an aesthetic device not as a way to hide choreography because because right. born sorry the born movies made shaky cam famous but it became famous for the wrong reasons and everything after born just tried to do it as like oh look uh. the only one i've ever seen is the one with Jer- jeremy renner really that's the only one i've seen well we got to watch the born movie god I, damn it i keep doing that but we got to watch the born movies okay. but like those fight scenes are well choreographed and they're well shot and they use the shake as a mm-hmm. just an aesthetic thing and it works yeah it's, it's one of and the it only... makes sense you're in a car this is what it would yeah. look like and know? it's one of the and the borns are one of the only movies that do it correctly but taken did it correctly as well the first one not the sequels and there's a scene in the first one where he he follows someone into a cab and he pushes his arm across his body against a window mm-hmm. and is just hitting him in the gut interrogating him and it's just like okay Liam Neeson's in his 60s like that's what you would do if you were that old trying yeah. to get information is you would just trap their momentum and just use the one spot to like get information why does it gotta be in the 60s dude I know how old Liam Neeson is okay alright well okay at the time though he was probably in his 50s right now you don't now, think I can handle myself anymore is that what you're saying no <laughs> you know he's this year he's 69 years old He's going to be 70 him. years old. God bless him. It's, God. it's no wonder he doesn't want to do action roles anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I he mean, told a funny story. He was like, a, on the most recent action movie he did, he's like, I looked up at the person I was fighting and I was like, how old are you? And he's like, I'm 25. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, one of our employees came up the other day and said, yeah, mm-hmm. I just had my 31st birthday. And I said, yeah, I, I remember when I was, th- no, I don't. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> It was Damn. back in the 1900s, I know that, but, <laughs> um, but okay, most ridiculous fight scene ever, in a good way? Tell me. Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> the fight scene's based on, based on Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> no, another ridiculous fight that I absolutely love is the Drunken Master ones. Oh, my God. Oh. I love those fights. Oh, yeah. So good. But, you know, again, those have to be shot mm-hmm. that way for the purpose yeah. of the movie. You know what? A, a great example of stylized fighting that needed to be stylized for the story was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, absolutely. And it was fucking unbelievable. Absolutely. So good. I'm so, so good. I'm so mad we missed it when it, when it made it. I know. Same. On. Same. You know. Yeah. No, it's so good. And uh, I'm trying to remember. All right. We'll, uh, we'll end on this final question. What movies... Do you are there any movies that you plan to watch after a certain period of time? Like for example, like I watch Jaws every year on my birthday, or is there like an occasion where like on this day you watch something? Good, good question. Um, Christmas time, there's two movies I always watch. My kids have several. Mm-hmm. I have I have a couple that I insist on watching. Mm-hmm. One of it's of course Die Hard. Yeah, which last year my son saw for the first time. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. You know, you it's know, great. I, I've been I've been so bad at being a parent. I'm so sorry <laughs> you didn't see this until now. Um, and the other one is Love Actually. Love Actually. I I love that again, <laughs> Liam Neeson. But yeah. um, I love that friggin' movie. I I that movie just tugs at my heartstrings. Young Andrew I don't Lincoln I don't too. weep at that. Yeah. But, yeah. Know. Yeah, Andrew Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You know, looking very very young in those movies yeah. and yeah. stuff. You know, I, mm-hmm. 
are you a Walking Dead fan? I used to be. I st- I got off the train. Though. Are you looking forward to the Walking Dead movie or? Whenever they, whenever I, I'll see it. I'll believe it's real when I see it. I feel like kind of like kind of like Avatar two. <laughs> like well, when I see a trailer for Avatar two, then we can talk about Avatar two. I didn't care for Avatar. I thought it was a really good movie. But I, I thought it was a beautiful movie. Yeah, and like the technical aspect, unobtainium, unbelievable. Fuck you. Okay, <laughs> it's like come on, James Cameron. <laughs> really? That's just yeah. lazy okay. writing. No, there. speaking of James Cameron, why the fuck isn't True Lies on Blu-ray? We need True Lies on Blu-ray. <laughs> man, I love. That I think movie. of that every time I go down to the Keys. I think of that movie. Man. Yeah. Oh so my good. god. You know, god, Bill Paxton got taken from us too soon, man. He's so good in that. Oh god. He, he, oh. He makes that movie. Yeah, he does. Plus no, the guy who plays the terrorist. Plus yes. The guy who plays the terrorist yes. Oh my excellent. God. No. Uh, uh, and uh, Tia Carrera. You know, yeah. Amazing in that. I got to meet her. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. We didn't talk about it on the podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, I used to do the super cons down in Miami yep. all the time. Um, my favorite year was the year that um, I was in two of the movies in the science fiction film festival. Um, we had the radio show going that year, so we had a booth for the radio show. We had a booth for the Florida Ghost Team, which was the paranormal group I was part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, and I participated in the wrestling, you know, and it was funny because the promoter, um, super nice guy, um, he was like the first night of SuperCon that one year. You know, we just went back to our rooms and all. I went home because I lived in, in yeah. I, I lived close enough I could drive. Mm-hmm. So I went home and I came back the next day. And he's like, where the hell were you guys last night? He's like, what do you mean? He said, you're the VIP reception. I said, I didn't have tickets for that. He says, no, you're supposed to be at the reception. You have a booth. You're a celebrity. I'm like, the f- <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. No, no. Even though that year it was, it was funny because the kid who, <laughs> side story, the kid from Child's Play, who's now grown up, yeah, he was in the booth next to us. For shits and giggles, we had a three shot of the producer and mm-hmm. me and, and, and my co-host Darlene mm-hmm. for the radio show. We did a three shot and we had it all out there and we were signing those and, you know, for people and stuff like that. And fucking people were taking them. We are nobody, man. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they were taking them. And, yeah. um, uh, the the kid from Child's Play, I forget his name. He's like, please, please don't do that. It's like, do what? Give away free stuff. And it's like, why? He says, because then they expect it from all of us. And this is how I make a living now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, didn't realize. Yeah, it's like totally respect I am it. so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so we started charging like a dollar for the pictures. And people were paying for them and stuff. So they wow. yeah, paid for the printing and all yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I watch Jaws every year on my birthday. And, uh, like, every, like, eight months or so, I'll watch the original 1978 Superman movie. Oh, classic. Just because I love that fucking movie so much. And, like, this makes me feel good inside. And you mentioned uh, movies that got you out of depression. A TV show that got me out of mine was the Bill Burr animated show F is for Family on Netflix. I don't think I've ever watched it. Dude, it's fucking hysterical. Like, when I tell you literally got me out of a depression, like, lowest I've ever been... I just binged that show and I felt much like it got me to like get back out and start doing stuff yeah, again. My son, my son took me to Bill Burr 
um, last oh, year. Fuck you! I want to see him so bad. Oh, it was, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, so good. But you mentioned Superman. That that brings back a happy memory for me. Is mm-hmm. my dad would always take us to the drive-in, mm-hmm. and typically my dad, when we would go to the drive-in, he would drive. We'd go play in the playground, which back then they had one of those spinning things and mm-hmm. stuff, but it had concrete around it. So, you know, yeah. you always came back with skin knees and shit like yeah. that. And, um, but we, we went the only time my dad would fall asleep every time he worked, he was a hard working. Yeah. Yeah. He would fall asleep. And then when the movie was over and done with, Hey dad, you know, we're done. We can go home and he'd wake up and he'd take us home. He was doing it for us. Yeah. Yeah. The first time my dad stayed awake the entire time blazing saddles <laughs> and i just movie. remember sitting there with him mm-hmm. he liked that movie so much we went the next night to go watch it again wow. and i brought a cassette player with me and recorded the whole movie you, know, just <laughs> you so little pirate be, just so just so i could listen to it. i didn't sell it or anything yeah like yeah that. um but oh my god that was so much fun but going back to superman my mom never went to the movies mm-hmm. never to the movies it's only two times in my life I can remember my mom going to the movies with me. Grease mm-hmm. and Superman. She wanted to see Superman. It's like That's so awesome. Superman? Really? <laughs> Superman? And, you know, even though she she, she never really... She loved Grease. Mm-hmm. Didn't care for Superman. You know. And then, um, you know, growing up because we had, you know, there was no VHS. There was mm-hmm. no, you know... Um, you had to rely on TV to have, you know, you relied on, your TV guide was your Bible. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, every year the Wizard of Oz, that was, a, that was event night. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, you'd have to watch the Wizard of Oz. Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlton Heston. Yeah, great movie. You had to watch it. Ben-Hur. You know, these movies would come on once a year, and those were the movies that you watched annually. Yeah. So. No, all great films. But yeah, no, I think that's a nice little bittersweet place to end the show tonight. Mm-hmm. Dude, thank you so much. I fucking loved having you on. We're going to do it again no, sometime. No, dude, this was a lot of fun. And uh, was... go ahead and tell the good people where they can find you and your adventures online. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's see. Uh, Instagram, I'm the re- the Reality Chuck. Um, that's also my, uh, that's one of my Twitter handles. The other one is Ghost Ref Chuck. Um, Facebook is under my name, Chuck Oren. And, uh TikTok, I'm just getting into, so you know, stay tuned for that. But that's under Chick, Chuck Oren also. Uh, but that's what I'm doing online. Awesome, awesome. And we can't wait to see you in the local whenever I finally finish that fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. I, well, to be honest with you, I'm looking forward to the next one. That's what I'm looking forward to. Because we wrapped this one, and we know it's going to be good. We know it's going to be good. <laughs> totally. Fuck yeah, it's going to be good. You know, of course it is, man. You know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a Dalton Burdett and Movie Nights production. Did you stroke my ego? I'm telling you, you, you got to. Go, well, I want to come back. See, so. see you just ruined. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you just ruined Hannah's night. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to shut the fuck up about this. All right. Well, uh, dude, this is a lot of fun having you on. I really appreciate it. it and it uh, was a lot of fun, man. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. Take care.